Welcome to Free Talk Live. You can find us on the web at freetalklive.com. My name is Stephanie, and I will be your host tonight. Now, you're probably used to hearing Mark's voice in the main chair, but, you know, Mark has been under a lot of pressure lately with uh, our main host, Ian Freeman, being in jail. I think it is day 47 of the of De- Ian's uh, sentence that he's been in Cheshire County Correctional Facility. I can I only imagine. <laughs> I can only imagine how much work goes through Ian's day and to have that also placed on Mark who's the you know second half of the show doing all the advertising. It's got to be a demanding job. And he's been doing every night. He's been yeah. in FDL every single night and Except uh, for tonight. a while what he wanted to do and <laughs> yep, and this is the first night that you are not hearing Mark in the main chair now that Ian has been incarcerated, and I would like to introduce myself. I'm Stephanie, and you are hearing some other voices in the studio, too. We have uh, with Dale. us... Yeah, yep, Dale. And, and Neil. And Neil. So, yeah, I'm very happy to have you gentlemen here with me tonight hosting the show. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity to have you on one of my shows because you're always so gracious to have me on Prometheus Unchained. Every is, month, at least once a month, and and maybe more in the future. So yeah, I come once a month, right? Mm-hmm. That does that sound familiar? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we used to make these jokes about uh, you know, uh, she talk live was the old uh, all female edition of Free Talk Live that I used to host uh, back before the Sunday show. So this is close. I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Because you guys are both gay, right? Yeah. So at the very least, Prometheus Unchained are two horny makes, gay guys yeah. uh, <laughs> exploring very wild topics. So I. I will hope that I'm not still in Prometheus Unchained mode. Yeah, tonight. check I out gotta... fla- check out flamingfreedom.com to hear more of Neil if you don't know Neil that well yet. <laughs> and more of Dale cuz you guys make a great team and I love that um that you have that radio show talking about LGBT issues kind of from a pro freedom perspective. I yeah, really exactly. Enjoy listening to it and enjoy guest hosting with you. So thanks for coming in. And boy, we have a lot of stuff to talk about tonight, don't we gentlemen? There's a lot going on in the world. There's these protests on Wall Street, right? Um, people occupying Wall Street. And it's interesting because I think there are people coming from all different kinds of ideologies uh, that are participating in these protests, but largely peaceful, right? But they're encountering a lot of resistance. That's yeah, true. it's peaceful until the police show up. And then, yeah. <laughs> right? and, then um, and, and I've seen videos that sometimes I, I really wonder I, that whether they've put... Uh, provocateurs in the in there you see someone you see these completely peaceful the police show up and then some new person wanders into the crowd and suddenly there's some something violent happening the police have to use violence oh there's a lot of evidence on that if you go on youtube and and search for just like you say infiltrators undercover uh, police in a lot of these uh, protests say like at the g20 or at the bilderberg group meetings uh there's (laughs) the bilderberg (laughs) group actually meets i thought that was just a a meme or something they do no oh, no wow. they do okay uh they're not just a restaurant <laughs> build a burger you know yeah but uh <laughs> no they uh, they will be so blatantly obvious these uh, they're, 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 not dressed even, they're not up. even good actors they, no they're they're beefy uh you know middle-aged guys dressed up in young anarchist black of what they think are anarchist clothing and they all have uh, little bandanas around their oh, face oh you mean the balaclavas right yeah, isn't ba- that when you tie a black bandana around your that face or just a bandana or the or the um uh, oh, I forget what the uh, Middle Eastern kind of white and black checkered thing. But uh, and you yeah. tell you, nobody you, there knows them. Like there's some stranger walks in covering his face and none of the protesters are doing that. The protesters mm-hmm. are not hiding their faces and stuff. And that's someone that the police have planted because he's, you know, and he starts something and then they've, the, the police have an excuse to go in and crack some skulls. At least in the video that I watched, they were actually pushed back behind the police line after all the crowd of activists and, and protesters uh, realized that they were 
uh, police. So There's someone think, there picking well, up a rock, and they're and the, all the other protesters are saying, "Put down that rock! You put wow. down that rock!" And he ends up, you know, being, uh, you know, afraid. Uh, you know, it seems afraid of the other protesters. They get pushed into the police line, and the police arrest him. And they got pictures of his. his they've got they, with the I mean, when people looked at the video later, they found his boots exactly matched everything that the police were wearing. Oh wow! <laughs> um, wow! Yeah, it was it was incredibly poorly staged. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's really revealing when you see stuff like that happening, that the the only ones that are inciting or using violence are actually the police, the agents provocateur. And I think that this type of thing contributes to the general attitude that people have that anarchists are this violent crowd and they want to do property damage and all that stuff. And maybe there are some people who identify as anarchists who would fit that description, but some people who identify as anarchists are peaceful and just don't want a government. And so... I don't know. It's it's interesting. And I think they do their best to kind of give that word a bad reputation. And also just anyone who might be there protesting. Anyone who's. Yeah, exactly. Anyone yeah. who's protesting government. And then they may not be anarchists, but they are disillusioned at some point or another and and feeling a need to to, to protest. And they're not immediately accepting legitimacy well, at actually, that moment, you know. Yeah. I, I went to the website of one of the groups that was organizing this Wall Street protest. And by the way, for people who aren't familiar, I guess there are people uh Hundreds of protesters who are basically planning to camp out on Wall Street and just be there and sleep in tents and uh, stay there and, you know, write messages and chalk and, you know, peacefully exist there. But to to be there and the whole point of it is it's called Occupy Wall Street. So they're supposed to be there. Kind of like Tahir Square in um, Mm. Egypt, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, but uh, there must be at least more than a couple hundred there because already a a hundred have been arrested. I see. Some, I've got yeah, so it's probably detained. more on the order of a thousands or something like they're, that. They're but. being pinned on, on certain streets while they just sweep people up. And I remember hearing back in the 2004 uh, Democratic National Committee where a lot of very left, you know, a highly critical anti-corporate types mm-hmm. were protesting the DNC. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they locked them all up in, in some warehouse wharf detain them for i think in some cases more than 24 hours wow yeah and so new york city i'm sure is very experienced in detaining mass amounts of people yeah i actually had uh, a few people that i knew who were detained during the uh democratic or no i think it was the republican national convention back in 2004 or 2003 when they had it there and you know the point i wanted to bring up was that the organizers of this occupy wall street protest come from all different kinds of ideologies ranging from kind of liberty oriented to um, kind of left leaning, I guess you could say, anti-corporate, that kind of thing. But I, I saw a lot of messages actually that were quite liberty oriented. And it, it, basically yeah. they're saying, why do these big corporations and these big banks get bailouts from the government when they do something, you know, when they mismanage their businesses essentially, but people are still taxed really heavily and it's going to be really difficult. And individuals difficult. are losing their houses to foreclosure and stuff like that. And then the banks get those, then the banks get bailed out. Like, why aren't you bailing out the people who couldn't pay their mortgages? You know, maybe, yeah. maybe $3,000 to a whole bunch of invid- individuals might've saved a hunch, a bunch of houses from being foreclosed on and they'd actually get to keep their house. I mean, not, I'm not suggesting not that. Advocating you understand. the government giving people saying, money, but yeah. For anyone out there who is sort of liberal leaning that, that should show you right now what, who the power serves. Yeah, and it's an excellent example of the the concept of moral hazard, right, which is uh, if the risk 
of business is socialized, right? If the if the risk of business is uh, if the government says, oh, don't worry, if you fail at your business, we'll bail you out, we'll fix it, you know, we got your back. But the profits are private, you know, to those businesses. Yeah. Then it creates an incentive to, for them to basically just uh, run amok, and there aren't those normal uh, kind of pressures to keep things running smoothly with their business. So I do want to make sure that we give out our phone number tonight and let people call in. Are you in New York City? Are you familiar with what's going on here? We've got some news reports and uh, some other stuff to cover, but I want to know, I, I would love some reports from kind of the front lines of this protest that's been going on for what at least a week now, right? And uh, Seems our, like our, it. Our number tonight is uh, 855-450-FREE. If you have trouble remembering it, 855-450-FREE, and that's also 855-450-3733. Call in and let us know what you think about the protests that are going on on Wall Street. If you agree, if you disagree with the protesters, um, I'd be interested to hear about it. This is interesting. This one touches home. There's Someone was arrested for writing love on the sidewalk with chalk. Yeah. And, you know, we had some chalking incidents in New Hampshire recently, so that sort of That's true. Re- and of course, reminded we, me. I anyone, was arrested for that myself. Yeah, you're one of the... That's right, yes. And for anybody who's not familiar, um, all three of us sitting here tonight, um, Dale, Neil, and myself all moved to New Hampshire to participate in the Free State Project, which is a basically an idea to get liberty-loving people to move to one place and concentrate their efforts on getting liberty in our lifetime. So political freedom, I guess you could say. And some of the activism has taken the form of writing with chalk on sidewalks and stuff like that. And I guess Neil was uh, actually arrested earlier this summer for doing just that. I didn't know it was illegal to, to write with chalk, which little kids do all the time. I guess it's not illegal <laughs> Depends to Depends where them. you are, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 855-450-FREE. Give us a call. Let us know what you think. More coming up when we return. We're going to talk about the person who was arrested for chalking love. This is Free Talk Live. As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes be the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com. Hello and welcome back. This is Free Talk Live. Thank you for tuning in tonight. I am your host, Stephanie. And Dale. And Neil. Yes, indeed. And we've been discussing the protests that have been happening on Wall Street in New York City. There are some protesters apparently occupying the Wall Street area. And, you know, for the large, for the most part, I hear about everyone being completely peaceful, except that there's a lot of police violence, you know, and there's a lot of macing, tasing, uh, arresting that kind of thing. I don't know about beatings, but there's certainly a lot of video surfacing on the internet. And in the last segment, I solicited some calls uh, about what's going on here. And we did have a call from Adam in New Hampshire. Adam, what's on your mind? First, I will say I am not in New York, so I know as much as anyone can figure out by looking at the internet. Sure. And I, I cannot figure out exactly what the point of the protest is other than generalized uh, discontent. It does seem, the timing seems odd to be complaining about the bailouts, doesn't it? It's like, that, that happened a while ago, so. In, in the, it seems, I, I don't know if there's a single organizer, I guess, uh, 
Uh, I, no, I think maybe anonymous has something to do with it, but I don't know. I I don't. I think I it seems decentralized. It does feel very decentralized, and that's very frustrating for them. I think when they can't find you know the head of the snake to cut off and stop the protests. Have yeah. you seen any demands that have been made by them? No. No explicit demands. Have you? Uh, I heard, I've heard third hand, we're not going to leave until the system is gone, something like that. <laughs> oh, that's going to happen. Yeah, that would be nice, except <laughs> probably, you know, I'm of Sounds the like opinion. Sounds like a poor exit strategy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm of the opinion, Adam, I don't know if you agree with this, but I don't think much is going to change until people kind of have the philosophical underpinnings of what freedom means. And I don't think we'll get to a free society by just... Uh, smashing the state, so-called. I think that there has to be a lot of education and, uh, you know, learning that goes on before we get to that point. What do you think? I don't know. I don't get the gist that they are there in support of a free society, and I certainly don't get the impression anybody is trying to smash the state. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of... uh, I've seen signs advocating socialism. Uh, I saw a sign, jobs are a right. I... I envision bankers sitting in a smoky back room studying the Bolshevik revolution, trying to figure out how to leverage all these people in the street to make it happen again. Mm. Oh, well, they've certainly done a successful job in dividing and conquering. You know, uh, my immediate conception of all the people that would have gone to this event are leftists, probably with the Answer Coalition, which is... Uh, Funded by the Communist Party of the United States, and there's I, a I, Communist Party. The, yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> I, I personally, I'd say the uh, unions are the last refuge of it. But I mean, they they are uh-huh. out there. They're they're active, and uh, at least I know a few of our own who are down there. Uh, uh, Pete Air. Yes. Um, do, uh, who else That's went with them? Video. But it, yes, it was. There were two uh, people, friends of the show, um, Pete Air, and then another guy named uh, Tommy. I believe went down to New York City to get some footage of what was happening, and I believe they tried to focus in on kind of some more liberty-oriented things. And you know, Adam's right. I've seen mixed signals basically coming from this protest. I've seen some very socialistic-sounding things, and some other things that are more liberty-oriented, kind of like anti-tax. You know. Um, anti the alliance between corporations and government, that kind of thing. Yeah, which can be considered liberal or liberty oriented because that's mm-hmm. one of the areas where liberty overlaps quite a bit with liberal viewpoints. The whole yeah, idea well, of the corporate structures and want, lefties seem to want to tax the corporations rather than get rid of them. Why? Why are they there at all? You know, it gets me about that, and I try. You know, I keep hearing. You know, I have friends that are, would probably describe as very liberal, um, and. They they don't like that they have these corporations that maybe aren't paying, they don't feel are paying enough taxes or something like that and what I what I try to convey from an economic standpoint is the the benefits that these companies get are just massive and I you know before you talk about taxing them more because really I mean any taxes they pay are, they just pass on to their customers and I'm not you know I'm not I'm not yep, saying they that's don't, absolutely know. true it, it is true and and they get incredible benefits I I guarantee you if you gave them a choice give them a choice say okay we're going to either tax you more or we're going to take away all these benefits that you get like us uh, crushing your competition and regulation on small businesses and or, yeah, or, or barriers to entry for small business and things like that we're going to if we, we're going to end all that or we're going to raise your taxes and wait for what they what they ask for and then do the opposite and I guarantee you they would say, yeah, yeah, just raise my taxes. Uh, we don't want to, they don't yeah. want to, they're actually getting benefits for their taxes, much more <laughs> so than your average person who who the, the just works main, for a living, you know. 
the main problem with a corporation is what is the limited liability. Liability uh, yes. is the legal system's way of holding you accountable for damage you cause. Yeah. Why would you want to limit that? <laughs> that's that's what I see as the main problem, and I've never heard a somebody who's complaining about corporate. I've never heard a lefty complaining about corporations say, "Well, let's just not have corporations." They don't want to get rid of corporations. They well, just they, want to treat them in a different way. I think they're gonna. Mm-hmm. They just look at it like a cash cow. Like, oh, they've got. They're, look, they're making all this money. Let's just get some of that money to like get free stuff. But you know, except they, the let's problem get free is healthcare and stuff like that. <laughs> the problem is the corporations are the ones who can always afford to hire all these lawyers and find exactly. Yeah, get out of all the taxes that they're supposed to be paying. So yeah, yeah. tax tax the rich is not going to work. Yeah, I can totally see that point. Write the laws. Adam, thanks for the call. Is there anything else on your mind tonight? I think uh, let's get back to your show, and thanks for being on the air. Thank you so much for calling. We do appreciate your call tonight. And, of course, you can always call in if you have something to add to this discussion at 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. And take control of the airwaves, (laughs) as we always like to say. I did mention that Mark is off tonight. He's taking a much-needed day off, so we will see him back tomorrow night. And we are very glad that he's finally getting some much-needed rest. And thank you, gentlemen, again, as always, for being here with me tonight. We do have another call on the line. Uh, I'm not sure who this is, but let's take this call on screen. Caller, you're on the air with Free Talk Live. Who's this? Oh, I didn't want to be on the air. I'm sorry, but I have something to say. Okay. Uh, say it anyhow. Sure. You are not in Ohio, in Toledo, Ohio, except one day a week. So I'm sorry about that. Thank you for educating me about libertarians. I know very little. Another thought on an old show you said you were trying to defend property rights, I believe. Sure. I wondered if you were aware of something in the South that wants property rights that for business owners that would block Africans out of their businesses. Oh, thank you so much. You Thank you so much for the call. We do appreciate that, and we will answer your question. Well, could I ask you one other thing? Of course. Sure. Did sure. Obama really win the Peace Prize? Because I was never <laughs> informed what yeah. he did with the money, nor, was, nor did I see his speech on television six months into his president. I wish he would, but did... <laughs> Did he really? Hey, he, and where his speech should have been broadcast worldwide. So, and, yes. And I'll let Okay, thank you very much for the call. We do appreciate that. We will be talking more about this property rights issue that he brought up in the next segment. Uh, I didn't quite catch this gentleman's name, but we do appreciate that call. And yes, unfortunately, Obama did win the Peace Prize, but there's a study that shows he has dropped more cruise missiles than any other Nobel Peace Prize winner combined. (laughs) Sad facts. If you have something to say, call in 855 Welcome back to the show. This is Free Talk Live. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. I am your host, Stephanie. And Dale. And Neil. Yes, indeed. And we've been talking about some interesting subjects. Started off the show talking about the protests on Wall Street, people occupying Wall Street, 
and uh, did want to get a little bit deeper into that issue. But we had a call right before we came up on the end of the last segment from a gentleman, and he was in uh, Ohio. Woman, but oh, oh, I'm sorry, my mistake. No, well, well, the caller, you're (laughs) you're right. They they never identified. Uh, Oh, you're talking about something else? No, no, the the last caller that we had on the line, and you're right, I didn't catch the name or anything like that. So uh, we'll just refer to them as the caller since we don't know. And uh, basically the caller said that um, was asking a question about property rights and should people, you know, uh, they had heard us defending property rights on Free Talk Live before, but should people have the right to kind of exclude people from their businesses, for instance, in a situation where there's a racist business owner who wants to exclude um, minorities or something like that? And, and in this day and age, that business owner won't be in business much longer. I hope if not. If that were the case. I certainly hope not, because I I despise racism, and I try to root it out in my life whenever possible. And Well, know. I want to know who they are. <laughs> and the thing is, um, here's the thing. When the when the government bans discrimination, and, and then when there are, you know, law, um, like, legal repercussions for it, and things like that. We don't. They 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 end up hiding amongst us, and we don't know who they are, and we don't address it, and we don't. Uh, they don't get boycotted. They don't get media attention the way they ought to. I think a lot of that stuff would go a lot further toward actually ending racism. Uh, it's. It, I really, you know, you, and I wouldn't want to patronize that person's business. Like now, I'm patronizing someone's business that I, I don't know they're racist because they're mm-hmm. they're they're afraid to do things. And there's also a lot of legal reper- repercussions. There's this legal process to determine whether or not there was discrimination. When in fact, when very likely, uh, when in, in many cases, it's it would be very obscure or yeah. not necessarily discrimination. It might be interpreted as such and. And you know, so I, I think, think it's I think really. They, I don't want to patronize their business, so I don't want them to. I don't necessarily want them banned from discriminating. I want to know they're doing it and and uh, and draw media attention to it and not patronize their business and not work for them. And like this has been said, very effective in the past too. I mean, talking about boycotts and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, it's famous in the civil rights movement, but there have been gay, uh, anti-gay uh, business owners who have been boycotted. There have been misogynistic business owners who have been boycotted, and you know, you can't use the government to legislate that people have to like each other. You know, yeah, I it think- just doesn't. It doesn't really work. I mean, I think you know, it it it, it it's almost like uh, sweeping the dust under the carpet. You know, mm-hmm. uh, um, like it, I said, it, I want to know who they are. And and if you're if 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 I, if someone were anti-gay and they're coming, they, there's a, some owner of a business who's anti-gay. I don't want to get a job at his place without yes, knowing that definitely. and then help him yep. make money and help his business succeed when I don't think his business should exceed. Because I'm, if I, I can, I'd be a good employee to someone. It's a uh, mutual exchange to want, their benefit as well. I don't want them benefiting well. from my, yeah. my skill set. Yeah. Like you said, it drives, it drives them underground too. And it, it, when you observe in Europe uh, the countries in which it's, uh, <laughs> they've got no First Amendment over there. And freedom of speech is is uh, very little when you can't even speak out. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of hate speech legislation over there to where mm-hmm. you can't yeah. even speak out, say, against homosexuality. And I myself am gay, and I, I, I would combat that in a free market of ideas. Uh, and I, yes, I, I want to know say who what, might be. Say what you're going to say about being, about being anti-gay so that we can respond. And have a dialogue about it, right? Exactly. Uh, drives hmm. these it's business owners underground, it makes them feel more resentment, and these uh, anti-free speech uh, laws there, where you can get locked up for years just saying, you know, having a public comment about uh, Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it and- makes them consort with their own kind, keep these opinions to themselves, form circles where their their ideas aren't challenged, 
they're talking to each other and bouncing off the same ideas and, and filming like a, a, a forming a little hate uh, hate, group. hate group. Hate click. Yeah. <laughs> hate click. And, and there's another aspect to this, too, in that these discrimination laws, you know, I think we all have established that we uh, d- don't like discrimination and we don't practice it in our uh, personal lives and we don't want to patronize people who are not inclusive to all different types of people. But these discrimination laws have unintended con- consequences and they can be used against people. You know, uh, if somebody fires an employee, well, the employee can turn around and sue them and say, well, they fired me because I'm a woman or I'm a redhead mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, redhead was the classic example used by the economist and libertarian philosopher Murray Rothbard. He would always talk about discrimination and well, discrimination about against redheads. redheads is OK, though. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> because they don't have souls. <laughs> that's right. They're gingers. They don't have souls. So oh, okay. man. Yeah, that's just a little bit of humor, but we're we're kidding, of course. <laughs> I, I have like I have friends that I love to poke fun. Ever since the South Park episode, I poke fun. Yeah, which is a pretty <laughs> libertarian show, by the way. <laughs> there are a lot of fans of South Park out there who maybe uh, enjoy this type of humor that kind of pokes fun at the government and haven't explicitly been presented with the ideas of liberty, but maybe we can help bring those ideas to them. Yeah. And by the way, I would like to let our audience know, just if they have thoughts on the situation, if they want to weigh in about... Uh, anti-discrimination legislation, if they have uh, an experience where they have been discriminated against at work because of some characteristic or or another of theirs, I'd like to hear it. And I'd like to discuss ways that uh, those situations could be handled without the need for using the government. And uh, especially situations with women, that's kind of my pet issue because I'm a female, right? But, and you guys are, you guys are both gay. And so I mean, I think we could really relate to a lot of situations where people have been discriminated against. So call in. Number is 855-450-FREE. And I have been discriminated against specifically for being gay, like overtly and and without any sort of without any discretion whatsoever from by the military. So I I think we have to agree that the intentions in the case of people that wish to see this legislation are good. Their hearts are in the right place. Now, they might not be as considerate towards business owners and their right to property, and I would certainly argue that on a moral ground, but on a pragmatic ground, too. Like you said, there there are a number of issue, issues with it, in fact, leading to less employment, leading to retribution against employers, and making them even fearful of taking on an employee that you know might be a, quote, protected class. There's a, um, I, I've read it before, and I've got it pulled up right here. There's a great publication by Cato, the Cato Institute called the Unintended Consequences of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Mm. And uh, by by far, that must have been passed with all good intentions. Right. Uh, but however, I, I've it, heard of it in the context of, well, if you're going to open a restaurant or any kind of business, you have to have um, uh, a special ramp that people who are in wheelchairs can get up and you have to have special uh, certain bathrooms. And in some cases, it can add a lot to the cost of constructing a new place of well, business. That's right? a barrier to entry for new businesses. And and yeah. it so it does it. It's seen again without analyzing it. It seems like a good thing. Yeah. You certainly would like uh, every everything to be more accessible to to people with disabilities. But how disabled, you know, mm-hmm. like like is it just people with wheelchairs or does it go further than that? It just, you know, and. Well, it's just that. Um, but again, if that keeps a, 
a company from even being viable in the first place. Like you can you can raise X amount of money to start a business, yep. and if that puts you if that that that's going to be the margin of difference between maybe a business being able to start up or not, or whether they're likely to succeed had they had that money to invest in other things that might have helped make their business more successful. Right, and I think a lot of people and then people, you're not creating jobs that you could have created and things like that. Yeah, it's always the seen and the unseen, right? When we have government regulations and laws that mandate certain things, we see the results of those laws, but we don't see the opportunity cost, right? The thing that was lost or that the business couldn't do because they had to comply with the regulation in order to stay open. And, you know, I think that there, I think that the vast majority of businesses want to make their businesses accessible, accessible, excuse me, to anybody who would like to patronize them, able-bodied or, you know, in wheelchairs or what have you. But you know, when you have to build a ramp, I think a lot of people would build ramps and stuff, but there are all these regulations. Like it has to be this particular grade and made out of this particular exactly. material. Exactly, they might do. You know, it, they might <laughs> handle uh, making their place accessible in a lot of different creative ways. For mm-hmm. instance, or they, you know, they might decide to go to extra effort in terms of uh, just extra service for people who are disabled to, you know, to help them and things like that. They might take alternative routes and and actually end up being very. It might be a place that be very friendly to disabled people, for instance. But mm-hmm. just they might have just taken a different route for it because you know, based on what they can. What works best for that particular business? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and like sometimes that. they'll put things in these laws that nobody can disagree with because it's for disabled people. It's to help them, but it'll be like enriching a government contractor. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is Free Talk Live. Give us a call, 855-450-FREE. We'll be right back. Stick around. The Ruger LC9, compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP, features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip, and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com LC9. Welcome back to Free Talk Live. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Stephanie. And this is Dale. And Neil. Yes, indeed. And we do so much appreciate you listening tonight. If you would like to call into the show, you are always welcome to do so at 855-450-3733. And let us know what your thoughts are on anti-discrimination legislation, the Occupy Wall Street protests, or uh, the story that we'll we'll get into in a few minutes about a woman who had her hair searched by the TSA. But first of all, Dale, what's the Free State Project all about? You know, Stephanie, you brought up earlier that all three of us moved here as part of the Free State Project. And you can be a part of it as well. It is happening. You can join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. Free State Project is an effort to get 20,000 passionate liberty lovers to move to one place and focus their efforts on achieving liberty. And that was voted on to be New Hampshire, and that's why a lot of us are in New Hampshire right now. And if the- you if you want to see what it's like, there's no better time than the Porcupine Freedom Festival, otherwise known as mm. Porkfest. Or what about Liberty Forum? Or Liberty Forum is coming t- up. That's um, a Sooner event, and that's going to be, yeah. for people who are not that outdoorsy, and you know, not that Porkfest, Porkfest is super, super... Um, cushy for as, as far as outdoorsy stuff you know it's a it's a it's a campground with showers and all kinds of cool you know and buildings and stuff for events but but if you want something sooner and you want a little more comfort then there's the uh the liberty 
Forum is in a hotel in Nashua, New Hampshire, yep, and that's a little, coming up A little more cushy, a little less outdoorsy. And, uh, you know, it's not just about uh, these events. They're they're awesome, and they're a great way to get to know the community. But it's about activism. It's about getting liberty in our lifetime. And in the meantime, having a community of people who feel the same way about the ideas of freedom. And, uh, you know, I'm very happy that I have joined. And if it sounds pie in the sky, 11,000 people have signed and pledged that they will move. And, and a 1,000 yeah. have already moved and maybe more. We don't know about when, it. When I moved in 2009, I sent out a uh, phone call to our kind of answering machine service that we have up here. The and Porcupine over, 411. Yep. Great yep. network. And uh, I got over a dozen people helping uh, me unpack my U-Haul, uh, uh, moved me in, and I just provided pizza and beer. And wow. uh, they brought a little green stuff and we had a great night. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you had a fun time. So, okay, I would like to jump right into this story from um, Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This is really uh, a shocking and surprising story, and I think a lot of people can also relate to this because, let's face it, you know, things have really changed. Everything's changed since 9-11. That's what they always say, right? But we can really see those changes firsthand if we happen to have to go to the airport and fly somewhere because the TSA recently has been horrendous in its use of uh, invasive searches, uh, patting people down in all kinds of very intimate places, scanning them with these x-ray scanners, and just generally really infringing on their privacy, you know. And for what? A false sense of security? I think it's really a lot more about pretending to be safe than actually making us safer. What do you gentlemen think? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's often referred to as security theater. I think it's they're looking busy, yep. and and that makes people feel like they're being protected, even though objective data is showing that it's not effective. It's, it's extremely invasive. I've gone through the enhanced pat downs before, and that was after refusing a uh, oh, one of the body scanner machines that expose you to a level of radiation that has not yet been deemed safe necessarily. Yeah. Uh, there are all sorts of questions about it. But well, it not hasn't only had that, to pass but... the uh, FDA, right? Usually they make all medical devices pass the FDA. Oh, they but... streamlined that through. <laughs> yeah, and it just happened to be uh, the company that makes these x-ray scanners is somehow connected to Donald Rumsfeld, right? Yep. Yeah, there's uh, some political connections oh, going on there. Big surprise there. Yeah, yeah but, exactly. <laughs> you know, they, they they fill you up in, in places that some people haven't been felt up in a while. But, Yikes. you know, it's just... The man, last time I was They getting... put your hands in, in your waistband and reach down there. And not only that, but... They you know, up into all... your crotch in between your thigh and oh, your groin yeah. and all that. And they tell you they're going to do this. And uh, I just made sure the last time this happened to me, I refused to go through the backscatter machine and... Mm-hmm. and um, and they, you know, of course, they make a big deal out of it, and they tell you they're going to feel you up and how they're going to feel you up and all this stuff. I just made sure I dead stared the guy right in the eye and just, you know, so he, yeah. you know, this is this is wrong, and and I don't want him to feel comfortable about what he's doing. If I yeah. could remember the lyrics of the time, I would have sung "America the Beautiful." And you know, they asked me, "Do you, do you want to go in a private room?" No, I want everyone <laughs> else here. I want them to see oh, how gosh. you're molesting people. That yeah, are that doesn't to be sound like it. It has room. a potential for abuse, right? No. Going in a private room. <laughs> Ugh. Mm. Oh, wow. But in this case, they searched her hair? Yes, they searched her hair. That's Thank offensive you. on so many levels. Oh, it's gosh. Just, it's horrible. What? I mean, it, let's just get she, right into this. She happened to be black. Yes. Right. Okay. And, and she, she was had black. A lot of, she and had she's very, actually she also had a, a hairdresser. A large hair style. I she, guess. she is a hairdresser herself. And she said that she's worn her hair naturally, which is, you know, kind of uh, fluffy. And I'm a person who also has curly hair. You know, I'm not African American, but I, I do have 
big hair, so I wonder if they would do this to me, too. But uh, anyway, here's the story. TSA checked Afro for weapons at Hartsfield-Jackson Airport. Uh, Hairstylist Isis Brantley of of Dallas said she can't believe she was chased down this week at Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport so that her sizable Afro could be checked for weapons. And it has a picture of um, Ms. Brantley on the on the article. And she she has actually she's gorgeous and she has a large, beautiful head of hair. And it doesn't really look to me like she could hide something in there. It's silly. It's almost it's almost like a cartoon for them to think someone is hiding and it's, uh, dangerous it's things racist too. It's I very mean, racist. Ugh, yeah. It's it's just like like what do they think that you know her? I don't even know what they would think. But there's all these kind of stereotypes like left over from days of old. You know of I, I, you know I can remember. I, I guess that's what made me think. I said cartoon. Yeah, I remember a cartoon. I think it might have been the Globetrotters, yep. where the Globetrotter. Um, group this basketball player group had superpowers mm-hmm. in this cartoon and one of them had a magic afro that could hold things <laughs> uh-huh. it was a cartoon though right it right. was it was a joke i mean it was just it was yeah yeah okay yeah and i i mean you that, know. that just smacks of the old test uh, the pencil test Oh that people yeah, would use and the uh, pencil test for people who are not familiar. We'll have to say oh, it in, in God, polite so terms, I guess. Yeah. But it's it's to tell, I guess, when a woman is ready to wear a bra. Right? Oh, you're thinking of a different pencil test. Oh, I got gotcha. you. No, no, in South <laughs> there Africa, are multiple ones. in South Africa, this this is literally in in, in apartheid. Uh, the apartheid in South Africa, mm-hmm. the, there were different categories of people, and mm-hmm. you had different rights depending on which category you were in. And if you were considered black, and one of the and one of the ways that they determined that was they would put a pencil uh, somewhere in your hair, right? And if it stayed, oh, then you were right. considered black, and if oh, it didn't, wow. then you were then you were considered white for for purposes of rights and things like that. Oh my gosh! I mean, it, it just shows how this arbitrary is not they that are. long ago. It's wow. not terribly long. It's, I mean, it's I think you know. Um, it, yeah, it's some really disturbing stuff. It, it, it reeks of like the, uh, you know, the measurements that the, the Nazis would take yeah. of your face and then determine whether you're Jewish or not. Like, and they, they had certain racial, um, yeah. aspects that they, they considered, you know. And they were, t- and they were stereotyped too. I mean, there were cartoons of Jews from World War II with, where they have horns and they're depicted with like big teeth and stuff. And, and Jap- same thing with Japanese in World War II are depicted in a lot of this war propaganda with like really exaggerated eyes. And so it just people just grab on when there when there's racism, when there's uh, stereotypes and discrimination going on, people really grab on to these, uh, I guess, ethnic features that people have of whatever their skin or their hair. And, and they make these ridiculous caricatures out of them. And so they're. In this situation, it's almost like they're saying, oh, she's got such big hair. She could be hiding a bomb in there. It's like, it's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. So let me go on with this this uh, this article here. The 53-year-old one, wow, she's 53. She is very beautiful, and she doesn't look like she's 53, but she is a, a stylist, so she probably knows a thing or two about beauty. So 53-year-old woman said she had gone down an escalator to catch a train to the concourse where her American Airlines flight to Dallas would depart, depart when she started hearing shouts. I just heard this weird voice saying, stop, lady, don't go. The lady with the big hair, stop. The lady oh. with the big hair. Uh, Brantley told Channel 2 Action News. When the Transportation Security Administration agents caught up with Brantley, they insisted on searching her afro. Basically, they said, we have to check your hair for explosives. And I thought they were kidding me. I just thought it was a joke. I was shocked. Everyone was shocked, she said. And yeah, 
I could imagine why she was shocked and why everybody was shocked. When's the last time you heard of something like that happening? Mm. And it's not as if they would have had a high success rate anyway of finding such, quote, dangerous items, because as their own tests reveal, uh, very often, in fact, up to 50% of the time, they miss their mm-hmm. own fake bombs, knives, and guns. And Those this is the, when they might even have forewarning oh, quite that the a bit tests more are going to happen. 50% of the time, like yeah. the huge vast majority of the time, they miss their own tests. The things that aren't, they try to put their own stuff through to see if it gets through, and it usually does. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they're not even getting those. The only, you know, yeah, I mean, well, they, they are incompetent like every other gov- government agency. Uh, the government is good at a few things, and one of them is killing people, and another one is spending money, and not much else. But if you have to fly, say, I opt out and tell everyone in line that you can opt out of those scanners. You actually had success with this. Maybe we'll talk yeah. about that in hour two coming up. Stay tuned. And if you have thoughts on this or anything else that we've been discussing tonight, you can take control of the airwaves. 855-450-FREE. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. This is Free Talk Live. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. We are just starting Hour 2. And with you tonight, this is Stephanie. And Dale. And Neil. Yes, indeed. And gentlemen, in the last hour, we were discussing a very disturbing story. And it involves the TSA and kind of racial sensitivities and their complete lack thereof, right? And kind of uh, just attitude that they have the right to invade any part of their of your body that they wish, all in the name of security, uh, when their own tests show that they are actually incompetent at catching guns, knives, and bombs that actually their own screeners attempt to bring through the checkpoints. And it's not just airports anymore. They have uh, expanded to train stations. They have expanded to bus stops having TSA agents. And not only that, but now we see at sports venues like mm-hmm. big uh, football games, yeah. they're doing enhanced pat-downs uh, by security people that have been trained by the TSA. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for we, me, that's just another reason to avoid those big stadiums and stuff, but I was never one who enjoyed sports. However, I know that there are lots of people out there who really do enjoy sports, and when you're conditioned to accept something like that, every time you go to a football game, you're going to be searched and patted down. And of course, it doesn't stop people from getting into drunken brawls and that kind of thing. But it's basically just a conditioning thing, it seems like to me, that it's going to happen whenever you go into a public venue and you should just get used to it and there's no way to get around it, right? Uh, That's that's what they want us to get used to, certainly. Yeah. It's just becoming ubiquitous and and it starts off small, test the waters, get people used to it, Mm -hmm. convince them that it's for their own good, that that the sky is going to fall if they don't do it. And uh, which is ridiculous, of course, and uh, and just get us in the mindset of, you know, now it's just it's just before long. It's, you know, police state everywhere you go, uh, armed people or people being searched everywhere you go. And it's just you just yeah. expect to become comfortable with it. You know, our, our friend uh, Carla, who is actually the president of the Free State Project, which we discussed a little bit earlier in the show, is originally from South Africa. And she got out of that country and came to America because she believed that it was turning into a police state. And this really came to light with her when she was being constantly searched and there were roadside checkpoints. And I believe she even had a wow. endure a body cavity search one oh. time or something mm. like that. 
which is, I mean, really, that's state-sanctioned rape. I mean, there's no yeah, way... This is the place, remember, this is the place that had the pencil test. Yeah. You know, and... Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. Uh, and and uh, just to give you an idea, this is how it starts, um, or it's, yeah. Yeah, this is how it starts. And so let me read the rest of this article just to give a quick recap. We were talking in the last segment specifically, uh, generally about the TSA and their exploits, but specifically about this uh, lady named uh, Isis Brantley, who was chased down in Hartsfield-Jackson Airport in Atlanta, I guess. And uh, I think this was after she went through the checkpoint, but they wanted to like retroactively go after her. A TSA came running up to her and said, lady with the big hair, stop. We need to search your hair. And of course, she is a hairstylist herself. She is black and she wears her hair naturally. And she has, uh, you know, long hair, which is fluffy and it's an afro, basically. And she said that she was shocked that the TSA agents wanted to search her hair for weapons. So she said, uh, basically, the TSA agent said, we have to check your hair for explosives. And I thought they were kidding me. I thought it was a joke. I was shocked and everyone else was shocked. Brantley said she was in tears as the agents started, quote, digging through oh. her hair. Yeah. And you know what this reminds me of? Did you guys um, ex- ever experience in uh, government school, they would check the kids for head lice? For lice, yeah. Yeah. Oh. And they would have these sticks, and they would uh, they would part your hair with the sticks so that they wouldn't have to touch it, and they'd wear gloves like as if you had some disgusting disease, you know, they didn't want to directly touch your head. And they would part the hair, and they always were really nasty about it in my school anyway. They would like rip it, you know, they would just, just really violently kind of part it. And I always remember just hating that part of the school year. It was always like at the beginning of the year, they would check once to see if any of the kids had lice and then try to treat it. But it was a uh, not fun. And this is what it, it reminds me of. I could see why she would be uh, very upset over something like this. It's certainly dehumanizing yes. to me. And, and that's oh, yeah. a very great example that you bring up because I remember those. I remember ear tests. I remember eye tests <laughs> yeah. in uh, elementary school. And, you know, maybe the intention is great, but it's just, you know, it smacks me of uh, the dehumanization that occurs, you know, like in Ellis Island. And Ellis Island is oh, a situation yeah. favorable to to immigration uh, compared to our current mm-hmm. immigration laws. But that or kind of like the eugenicism in, in uh, Europe yes, and, and in America, you know, that's not something I want to be a part of. And that's something if I ever have children right. that I would not be sending them to a public school that wants to do that or that wants to force vaccinations on them, as as, uh, Governor Perry did of Texas. Texas. And he defends that by saying, well, there's an opt-out. Well, it really just shows that the state owns your kids. And you're right, Neil, I don't want to participate in that either. And uh, I also don't want to pay for it. And uh, I am a person who will likely never have children. I'm just not, it's just not my interest and not something I want to do. But I still have to pay property taxes or they will steal my home. And everybody who doesn't have children or does have children, no matter how many children they have or what age they are, is uh, is made to pay some kind of taxes uh, to their local government that support the schools. And I don't know. Do, do people think that's fair? I don't think it's fair. Um, no. It's especially disturbing. It. It's especially disturbing because I find a lot of what's being taught to be morally reprehensible. So I'm actually funding yeah. things that I would never, ever try to promote ideas and things that I would never ever try to promote myself. And, and in fact, that I speak out against uh, oftentimes things like making kids say the pledge exactly before they're old enough to understand what the pledge means. Mm-hmm. And then that's a kind of indoctrination into, um, 
you know, into some into things that I think are are not. It's not appropriate to expect a child to pledge allegiance to something that they don't understand before they can fully grasp it. Exactly, and most people never get a chance to consider what those words actually mean. But it's I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. What does that mean? You know, your your allegiance to the United States of America. And I guess the flag is supposed to represent well, they don't the know nation. Yet. And they, they don't, don't know yet. Yes, and, they and, don't and know. Certainly, a lot of adults don't really know, don't really understand it, don't really grasp it. But but they've yeah. they've been indoctrinated to believe it from such an early age that they're not. Then they've never it never crossed their mind to question it. Yeah, and I, I think the way that the schools are structured, the public schools, and uh, frankly, a lot of the private schools do have the same kind of structure to them, is just set up to make people obedient to authority, you know? And there's a lot of great coverage of this on the School Sucks podcast um, over at schoolsucksproject.com. Uh, if you have stories about opting out of the Pledge of Allegiance, because I know a few kids who thought about it, introspected, and decided not to do it, so... I would like to hear some of those stories tonight on the air. If anyone would like to share with us, you should give us a call at 855-450-3733. That's 855-450-FREE to discuss these issues with Free Talk Live. By high school, I can't remember doing it. Mm -hmm. Then again, I was in the International Baccalaureate program, so we were a bit segregated from a lot of uh, the other teachers, and it was kind of like uh, AP courses and a little bit higher standard of education but at the same time it was funded by unesco mm. so it's it was what is very, unesco uh, the united nations education and social organization or, or something like that right so okay. um i i don't think they were all too motivated to embrace u.s nationalism but um <laughs> yeah. i i also remember in elementary school we had a uh, backwards day where we put the our other hand over our heart and faced away from the flag Ooh, that's uh, sacrilegious! Oh, wow. yeah. they, they did that. They actually did that and did backwards day, or yeah, yeah, we did it. So yeah, I just thought backwards just, day was just something the kids did. I didn't think that the school ever participated. Yeah, in yeah official really. Backwards day. Yeah, they are very like law and, and order. They were stuck in that mentality in government schools. Everything has to be just so. And if you step out of line at all, I mean, even if you go to the bathroom without asking, there's serious consequences for that. And actually, funny story, guys. I wonder. I wonder what you think of this. My high school became famous uh, because when I was in high school, we had a principal who proposed this idea where uh, the kids could be suspended from school if they smelled like smoke. So they all that had to happen was a teacher had to say that the kid smelled like smoke and the kid could be suspended. And if it happened enough times, they could probably be expelled for it. But, you know, uh, some... Uh, all that had to happen was having uh, two parents that smoke at home. Exactly. Oh, well, yeah. I, I, and you can see and how I did that... in high school. I was always, I probably smelled like smoke a lot. Yeah. Well, if you went to my I school. I hated it that they smoked, but. You would have been expelled, Dale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous and it's completely ripe for abuse. And I am so glad to be out of there. Call and share your government school stories with us. 855-450-FREE. This is Free Talk Live and we will return. Welcome back. This is Free Talk Live. Find us on the web at freetalklive.com. And I've been so busy with tonight's show, I forgot to let you all know about some of the cool features that we have on the website. You can look at listen.freetalklive.com and find, first of all, so many ways to listen to the show. We have live streams. Uh, you can listen on the radio, satellite, uh, 
watch the webcam during the live show. And of course, there's the listen lines. So don't forget to check that out. It's listen.freetalklive.com. And of course, I am your host, Stephanie. And Dale. And Neil. Yes, indeed. And we have been discussing some really interesting topics tonight. Themes kind of centering on the TSA, their invasive searches. But we also got into talking a little bit about government schools and how they kind of prepare people to become obedient citizens. And they are funded in such a way where people cannot choose whether or not they would like to pay for the government schools they are forced to. Um, and even if they are renters, their landlord will still pay property taxes that support the schools. Yeah. You're um, paying you're paying your landlord's property taxes, basically. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you do have children and wish to send them to a, a school that's not run by uh, the government indoctrination camps, you have to pay twice. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Is that fair? No, it's not fair at all. And and Dale w- brought up the excellent point that you know so a lot of the stuff that's taught in the government schools he finds morally objectionable. And so, what is he supposed to do? We actually do have a call on the line with a story about some maybe some uh, pledge disobedience back in the days of high school. Nice. Let's bring Nemi on the line. Nemi, are you there? I am. Excellent. So, what was your story? Uh, you told me during the break that you had a story about the pledge. Well, I do. Um, my, I am a daughter of an Army colonel. Okay. And so I was raised very military and uh, very patriotic, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. And in 1988, I spent my, um, my one year in government schools, as you call them. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the beginning of the year, we were informed that uh, we could remain seated if we did not wish to say the pledge. And for personal reasons, I did not want to say the pledge, and so I remained seated. Mm. And my parents got a phone call, and they called them in. And my Army colonel dad was told that his rebellious daughter would not say the pledge. Hmm. And (laughs) that did not go over well at home. Um, What happened? So, um, well, dad uh, dad hit the roof pretty pretty, pretty much. Um, He he said, well, why don't don't you say the Pledge of Allegiance? And I said, well, because I don't want to. And because... um, you know, we were given the option to sit quietly, and I had not done anything wrong. I, I hadn't disturbed my fellow my fellow classmates in homeroom who were sure. know, standing and saying the pledge. That was their option to exercise, and, and I hadn't done anything wrong. Dad banned me from his presence for six months. Wow. <laughs> it ba- yeah, he did he was, what? I'm sorry? He, he banned me from his presence. Oh, was, oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. So he ignored yeah. you for six months? Because, he ostracized yeah. you. Yeah, it was ostracized, very much so. Oh my gosh! And, um, I'm so I, uh, sorry to hear that, Nemi. That that just seems awful. I mean, it doesn't. It's, it, an, it doesn't it's fit. an incredible affront to your own, you know, so, you know, your own individuality and choices as a free person to say to do as it, you to do what you to follow your own conscience and your own thought process, and for him to, you know, punish you essentially. Yes, for doing it's that. An, it, it's an affront, but also it, it, it's something. Um, I've got to say, I'm surprised that I lasted six months, you know, and I was, I, I was, um, it was character building, let's say, to, um, to come out of six months and finally, it was a battle of wills, really, and, and to say, you know what, I, have you read the Constitution, Dad? Mm-hmm. I'm surprised you didn't knock my block off, honestly, <laughs> I, wow. you know, this is a colonel in the army, wow. and to say, you know what, I have I have freedom of, of choice, freedom of expression, and I was given the choice, and I made my choice, and whether or not you agree with it, you know what, There's, there it is, and, and, and to come out, so there's did, my story. Did you wow. change your behavior I've, after his punishment? Did I, did I modify my behavior? Right. 
Uh, no. Okay, I'm very proud of that. Wow, yeah, that's amazing. You you really stuck to your principles, and that's I admire that very much, Emmy. You know, for a little kid, you know, to to sit and say, and and I've seen and I've heard stories of, of people right here in New Hampshire who who have had similar experiences who have been hauled off to the principal's office. And well, that was another that was another point that I wanted to bring up is why would the school tell you it was perfectly fine for you to sit there quietly and not say the pledge if you didn't want to, but then call your parents and report on you essentially that you weren't saying the pledge. Right. And I went to my, my homeroom teacher after that and I said, you know, you've, you've really done me a favor here. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for six months of the silent treatment. Very, really, I, I appreciate it. You know, well, because wow. you, um, but, you got, you got a chance. Under- it was a chance for you to really express yourself, wasn't it? I mean, and to, you know, it really it opened a dialogue. It sounds like uh, between you and well, your dad it opened. It, well, to a point. <laughs> when when he actually started well, talking to her again, then well, yeah, exactly. But I mean, it, it was <laughs> right. you know, there really was this sort of battle of wills and and. And uh, like you said, you stuck to your guns, and it was it really did provide an opportunity for dialogue. It was I think I think it was pretty abusive on your dad's part. To, I agree. To do that, well, but. I agree. I, you know, he old school army colonel, and and this is the thing: is over the years, I've really had an opportunity to look back on the whole experience, and and I can't begrudge him or hold a grudge for for his standpoint. He was an army colonel. And for his daughter to go to a public school and to refuse to say the pledge was an embarrassment to him. To be hauled in was an embarrassment to him. And so his reaction, while it would not be my reaction if my child went to school and refused to say the pledge, I, I can understand it. Hmm. You know, well, I, I, that yeah. doesn't, doesn't it, I mean, mean that it makes it right yeah. or, or that it was the right reaction or any anyone in the military who, who understands what the Constitution is all about should really come back and and treat their children this way, is that the lesson you want to impart to your kids as a, as a member of the military? Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree. So, I yeah, dis- dissent and get punished. That's the lesson that I, he, he <laughs> right. did impart, essentially. Right. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Get yeah. out of my house. <laughs> wow. So, Nemi, thank, anyway. thank you so much for sharing that story. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And aren't you, guys. aren't you glad to be out of there? <laughs> I, I sure am. Yeah. You guys have a great night. Thanks for taking my call. You too. Thanks a lot. Well, it was an interesting story. I think it really shows how people get this pressure from all sides. This is how the state and statism are, or, or love of government, I guess, is it's perpetrated. Very, it's very interesting to me that he didn't decide to to act, just sit down and talk to his daughter about her reasons. Well, when you're in the military, you're taught that you're not supposed to have any feelings, right? You're you not have supposed orders, to express them. And right. don't question those orders. Exactly. And when you're a father, I guess, then you're on the giving end of the orders and you're on the top of the chain of command so you can finally be the one who's dominating your kids, right? It's it's, it's just that it, it, it shows, that it seems to me, a lack of... of you know, if he if he had a, re- a really persuasive reasoning for this, then, mm-hmm. then he would he would want that he'd take that opportunity to say, well, this is this is what the pledge means, and this is why you should this is why you should do it, and talk to her about why is she why does she feel differently or something like that. It just blows my mind that none of that was even attempted. Exactly, there was not Dale. a dialogue attempted to explain to for him to express himself about why she should say the pledge or. Yes, thank you. I really appreciate you saying that because it's true. When people don't have logical, reasonable arguments to fall back on, they. They turn to these emotional appeals or this uh, punishment of others, really. I mean, I've, I've seen it happen so many times with the ideas of statism because they're not logical. They don't make sense. They don't respect uh, people's autonomy and they don't respect people's choices. So 
If you have more uh, government school stories, Pledge of Allegiance stories, give us a call, 855-450-3733. This is Free Talk Live. More coming up when we return. Male officers videotaping female strip searches. It's Free Talk Live. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Stephanie. And Dale. And Neil. Yes, indeed. And we thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Calls are on the line. People want to talk about what we've been discussing tonight, which has spanned from the Wall Street protesters to searching a woman's afro with the TSA to stories of... uh, (laughs) Pledge of Allegiance, Civil Disobedience, and Government School. Want to let you know about archives.freetalklive.com. We've got MP3 archives of the show going back to 2006. It's an amazing resource. I don't know of any other talk show that gives away so much content for free. Uh, so take advantage of that at archives.freetalklive.com. And are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? Manventure Outpost carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, Fish finders and boating equipment. Did you know you can find a fish with some gadget? That's so cool. Oh, yeah. I'm from Florida. <laughs> ManVentureOutpost.com is family owned and members in good standing of the Better Business Bureau. And they've got some prices so low that we can't even mention them on the radio. Get an additional 5% off these already low prices with coupon code FTL. Go to ManVentureOutpost.com. So, okay, I would like to bring on Emily in Rochester, New York. This is a really interesting call. Emily, uh, it looks like from the uh, appearance, from what I can see here, that uh, you were arrested for videotaping a police officer. Emily, are you with us? Yeah, I am. Yeah. So tell us more about that. Sure. In May, I was um, in my house and I saw some police, um, you know, flashing lights right in front of my house. So I went outside I had a friend with me. Um, I brought an iPod, and I was in pajamas, like just bare feet, and and, uh, I started taping the police officers. There were three of them. Um, I I was taping them because they were aggressively frisking and and searching, detaining a young black man, and I lived in a black neighborhood. Is this Emily Good? Yes. Hi. Wow. Hello. Wow. So we have a a celebrity calling into Free Talk oh, Live, wow. gentlemen. <laughs> Emily, we've actually we've actually dis- we've discussed your case before on this show because I think it's a it's definitely of interest to people like us who value liberty and transparency and think that a good a good way of holding government officials accountable is to get them on videotape just as you did. And so I'm exactly. really I'm really glad to hear have you with us tonight. So I, I interrupted sure. you though. Go on with your story. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. I'll, I'll continue to tell my story. But yeah, this um, whole incident has brought me into uh, contact with quite a few people who identify as liberty activists. Sure. Um, so anyway, I uh, was, you know, taping the police when they noticed me and my friend standing there. They just ordered us inside the house mm-hmm. immediately. You know, I, I said, this is my right. I'm just observing you. I'm taping you. This is my front yard. 
and he said, you sound really anti-police. After I said almost nothing, wow. but those three things, it's my right. So I, it really oh felt goodness. like invoking, invoking your rights is like anti-police. You know, that, that seems <laughs> to be the logical conclusion. So he was... Well, they're they're definitely not used to people asserting their rights, right? I mean, I I think that uh, police are used to people just doing whatever they say because they're afraid. And you you showed a lack of that fear. And so I guess that was what got you uh, arrested, right? Yep, yep. He just uh, came over with his flashlight, and I was stepping back, and he he just basically said, you're going to get arrested. And by the time he arrested me, I was, um, you know, right at my front porch. He was, you know... 15 feet in inside the like property line um wow so that was pretty ridiculous and so i've uh i was actually just down at occupy wall street too oh wow yeah we did a lot of we did mention we mentioned on the show that we wanted to hear some stories from the front line so i'm really uh glad that you called in about that but just to make a Another observation about this arrest. I mean, do you think, Emily, that the police officers who you were taping were proud of what they were doing? Because it seems to me that if they were proud of what they were doing and if they actually, uh, you know, had that sense of self-efficacy, if if they were believed in their own competence and their own uh, that they were doing something right and just, they really wouldn't mind being on camera. This is an arrest that deserves to be on the show. Cops, you know, (laughs) if they were proud of it. that is, Yeah. I'm not sure what what they were proud of because I've seen the police react that way even when they were doing obviously all right things, you know, according Mm -hmm. to most people's sort of judgment. I mean, they just, I I don't know. I I think that um, maybe in in this case specifically, they did instantly kind of know that they were doing something uh, wrong. But but you know what? I mean, our police chief has defended them. He said that we were doing criminal profiling, which I think is illegal. Wow. They, they didn't, you know, our police chief has staunchly defended that stop and said it was a proper stop. And, you know, without any real backup uh, reasoning, he's just said, you know, that was, it was, it was reasonable for them to pull him over and Unbelievable. search him and, and cuff him. So well, he, he was driving while well black, right? He deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I've um, just made contact, you know, a couple of months later with that young man. Um, so I'm going to sit down with him this week and um, talk further about that. Oh, that's great. So are you yeah. are you a blogger? Are you like a, a filmmaker or anything like that? You know, I, I'd like to be a I might I might start blogging. I, I'm not, but this um, cool. incident has really uh, inspired me to do a little bit more to communicate about the issues that are really important to me. I've been an activist, yeah. but no, nothing, you know, consistent as far as, you know, blogging or communication mm-hmm. on that level. Yeah, cuz I mean, yeah. I would love to hear a follow-up on the story. I'd love to hear if the guy that you were that you were taping when the police were harassing him, if he's grateful for that, if he if he's glad that you were taping it, the incidents, if he if he felt that it kept him safe because in a lot of cases, people who are uh, being videotaped in their interactions with police will will say that you know they're so glad that they're on camera because the cops' behavior changes when they're being filmed. You know they know that they don't want to do anything that they wouldn't want all of YouTube or perhaps the evening news seeing them do. And so I I could imagine it would be a great thing. Um, so I, I'd yeah. be interested in hearing the rest of that story too. And I did get three letters from jail and in you know local area jails um, uh-huh. saying. 
you know, from people saying, I wish that someone had done that when I was being arrested. I was completely oh. set up. You know, they, they gave a false testimony, and, you know, I just wish that had happened. So people were really appreciative and really supportive, and it's been quite an amazing experience to have that thing go so uh, so big in public and then to yeah. see people's responses because it's been overwhelmingly incredibly supportive. That's and I great. Do hope that more people pick up video cameras and tape the police because it does seem to have a real effect on them. I think it. Yeah, a lot of people doing it should help a lot, changing the atmosphere of fear around the subject of, of taping the police, and hopefully we'll get the police used to it so that they will stop uh, reacting the way that they do all the time. If it becomes a ubiquitous thing that just people just do it on a regular basis and it's just understood, then maybe they'll stop having such a strong reaction to it. And maybe the, instead they'll just say, you know what, I'll just, I should just be on my best behavior. I should just make sure I am doing, you know, doing things, uh, behaving professionally. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily make you anti-police. It just makes you pro-accountability. Exactly. And they should really, yeah. uh, they're used to dealing with people that just not at all question uh, the, the heroicism of police. And I, I it's remember sort of an, when infallib- I, an, an infallibility at the police or that they would never ever, or that every single policeman, because they have a badge on, are, are trustworthy and... Oh, um, yeah. It's been said, Emily, or, I, I wonder yeah. if you've heard this before, because you said you've been in touch with some people who call themselves liberty activists. It's been said in our circles that there's only one true crime in America, and that's contempt of cop, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose there could be real crimes where there is a victim and someone is actually being harmed, but all of the victimless crimes, it seems, fall under the category of basically not doing what the cop would like you to do, not being completely obedient and completely subservient to the police officer. Yeah, so, I've called it, yeah. I've called the one crime being disobeying. Yep. Uh, you know, there's all, all, any, all the other crimes are derived from that. I mean, they, they establish rules that may or may not actually involve a victim, that may or may not involve, any kind of, involve some kind of rights violation of, a, of an innocent person. Uh, you know, the, the sorts of things that we think of as crimes, you know, stealing from someone, hurting someone, um, but putting another person at great risk or something like that. Um, those are the things we think of as crimes, but the only real crime is that they've told you to do something and you didn't. You know, you, you, did, yeah. you were told a certain rule, didn't obey it. Exactly. Disobeying is the only crime. Emily, I want to hear the rest of what you had to say. Do you mind hanging on the line with us? Sure. Okay, thanks a lot. This is Free Talk Live. We'll be right back. More with Emily when we return. I want to hear about what's going on in Wall Street. Meanwhile, your calls, if you make them, 855-450-FREE. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show, and thank you so much for sticking with us tonight. My name is Stephanie. And Dale. And Neil. Yep, and we are having a blast tonight in the studio, gentlemen. This has been a great show. We've talked about so many different things, all related to the ideas of liberty and individuals making their own choices, uh, holding kind of these public officials accountable. And that's talked about every night of the week on Free Talk Live. We've got a live show for you every single night. Sunday through or Monday through Sunday uh, from 7 to 10 p.m., which you can always hear by going to cam.freetalklive.com. And you can actually watch us in the studio. It has this kind of TV aspect to it as well as being a radio show and a podcast. 
And it's available for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week with fresh content every single day. You can also... We love uh, you listeners. (laughs) You can watch me forget that I'm on camera and pick my nose between segments too. Oh, that's that's okay, Neil. I think we've all been there. (laughs) I'm not going to admit that I picked my nose, but I'm pretty sure that uh, if you dig back through the Every now and then, you're going to find somebody on the cam that's like, didn't quite realize that he... Yes, picked her nose a little bit. Exactly. So if you wanted to, <laughs> if you want to, you know, if you want to catch those moments, it might be itchy or something. That's all. That's all. <laughs> it, it's like Seinfeld. It didn't penetrate. It didn't penetrate the nostril. Right. <laughs> I was just scratching the edge of the nostril. It's right just there. the edge. <laughs> anyway, I would like to get back into the calls. This is the show where you can take control of the airwaves, and we actually had a special guest call, uh, someone who is uh, somewhat famous recently for. Uh, being arrested f- just for videotaping police in her own on her own property from her own front uh, lawn. We've got Emily Good on the line from Rochester, New York. Emily, are you still here? Yeah, I am. Wonderful. So you mentioned before in the last segment that you had some experience uh, down in New York City at the uh, protests that are going on at Wall Street right now. Can you fill us in a little bit more about that? Sure. I was there from the first day with the rally. Um, and that was and eight days it, ago from what I saw in the news. It was it started last uh, Saturday, I guess. Saturday. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was there Saturday, um, Sunday, Monday, and then Tuesday. And um, I slept over. I didn't leave. I was there. I went on the marches. It was really awesome. Where did you um, sleep? Did, did you sleep we, on Wall Street? Um, no. Okay. We ended up, uh, since we started on a Saturday and there's no business on Wall Street during the Saturday, they completely shut down the um the whole wall street wow. area mm-hmm. when we were um you know gathering on that saturday so we couldn't walk down the street or you know access the stock exchange or anything like that um, mm-hmm. and how how many people would you say were there oh that first day probably close to 2000 okay wow um, and we marched in a huge group with you know a pretty diverse set of messages but really focused on you know the uh sort of obscene, you know, banking scandals and subprime mortgage lending and, you know, just Mm -hmm. as a bailout, like all all of the, you know, a lot of common themes. Um, Mm -hmm. So we marched, we we went to a park that's actually a park owned by a neighboring corporation with a huge high rise, but, you know, it's pretty much public space, but I do believe it's privately owned. Mm -hmm. And it's called Ducati Park, and we ended up setting up camp there. So Mm -hmm. we we made it there, you know, Saturday afternoon, and people are still camped out there. Um, So we just slept in, you know, it's not a real park. It's all cement. There's no grass at all. Mm -hmm. It's really just a block of, you know, cement um, and and some trees planted in between, you know, in, in little sandy pits. But um, yeah. we, we, you know, mostly brought camping supplies. People scrounged up some cardboard. And those first three nights that I slept there, it didn't rain at all. So that wasn't much of an issue. Mm-hmm. But the last day, the day that I left, kind of conveniently, maybe I'm a little wimpy. But really, it was just my schedule. Um, no, no, that's not wimpy <laughs> at all. I mean, how many people yeah. actually went down there? 2,000 out of a lot of people who live in New York and maybe share the same ideas. And actually, by the way, Emily, I wanted to ask you, what was your motivation for going to the protests? What did you hope to accomplish? Um, I wanted to stand with the people around the world that have really inspired a lot of action this year. You know, Egypt, Tunisia, Mm. Greece. I mean, that to me was really inspiring. And I like the idea of 
following in the footsteps of other countries, you know, ra- rather than sort of having this very, uh, you know, United States-centric sort of view. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're clearly, I think, the biggest problem as far as our um, sort of obstinate, like, view of ourselves as the sort of bullies of the world. And um, <laughs> yeah. well, I, I, well I, I would like to uh, just make a fine point, and that is that I, I don't wish to be included in that we. I think, like <laughs> you, I'd probably want to divorce myself from those interests who think of themselves as the police or the bullies of the world, right? Yeah. 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 Let's say they. Yeah, they. Was, <laughs> uh, they. It was interesting to be there while the UN Assembly was happening. I think that that, um, you know, was it was an interesting convergence. But we mm-hmm. did see some pretty heavy-handed police action the entire time. I don't think that a day, ha- a day passed without there being arrests. And um, none of them, to my knowledge, were very legitimate. Um, at one point, you know, the day that I left, I think, or the day before that, I'm not sure, they, they were arresting people who were trying to speak to the crowd through a bullhorn, just trying to organize. Wow. They, they just would swoop in, grab them with no words, no reasons. People would be asking, badge number, can you give a reason for this arrest? And he would just rip them out of the crowd and carry them off. It was unbelievable. Wow. Um, that really shows... Ugly, ugly scene. That really shows to me how just the enemy imagery that these cops have i mean that 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 they they don't think of people who are there protesting as human beings who have like maybe legitimate concerns they just think of them yeah. as basically animals that have to be snatched off the street and put into a cage or put little bags on their They're head like be for vendetta or have like uh say alex jones was carted off in the the movie a scanner darkly just on the street corner in a bullhorn but nope you just sweep them away in a van as if they had never mm. uh existed and i guess i guess they're trying to take down the leaders uh so you didn't see any legitimate arrests did you see any violence there at all because i uh, people any violence a lot of people by the police these, or by the protesters uh, by the protesters because yeah. a lot of people have in their mind the uh the image of violence and rioting that had just you know swept yeah. Uh, England. I think a lot it's, of people are picturing Molotov cocktails and balaclavas yeah, and stuff. No, not at all. What it's, you have you know, is people that seem, they seem unruly, but what they're doing is expressing themselves. They're discontent. They're expressing, they're using their freedom of speech to express themselves passionately. And that is, um, and that's being suppressed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's there's not even the hardly an image of violence. I mean, people in, in this setting, like the, when I was there, for those four days, I witnessed no violence whatsoever. In fact, the complete opposite, you know, people playing ukuleles or like, you know, <laughs> wow. completely, you know, at some point, like, you know, like a carnival atmosphere, just kind of trying to make the police laugh because the situation got so heavy. You yeah. know, they'd be like making these little impromptu poems. You know, people were really pretty beautiful to each other. And we were all you know, sharing food, sharing food with anybody else who was coming by, just curious people. There were a bunch of iron workers working on a building nearby, and we had tons of food donations and coffee, and people were offering the food to the workers. I mean, it was mm. it was a really nice scene, and, you know, we were so far from violent. At one point, a woman who had um, lost her father recently when... Um, you know, he lost his job and he looked for another job. I, I believe he might have driven his car into a tree to try to collect enough insurance Aww. money to save the family's house. Yikes. She was making a film and we did a nighttime vigil, you know, silent vigil with candles mm-hmm. in the dark. And people didn't even speak. And we just went to the Wall Street barricades where they wouldn't even let us through onto the sidewalk of this public property. 
and we just held the candles. And, you know, I mean, it, it, it takes a lot of energy and effort just to have that many people in a, in a location and really keep them, you know, like fed and, and just cooperating. I mean, it was, we were actually doing a great job, I believe, yeah. of um, taking care of each other. Wow. You know, that, that's, it's a tough thing because you have people with mental illness wandering into a camp like that. You know, it's yep. an open space in New York City. Yeah. We were dealing with that kind of thing every day with, with kindness, with nonviolence. I mean, it was it was pretty remarkable. And the only violence that I saw came clearly from the police who would run in, push people aggressively. You know, I witnessed a lot of really aggressive action from the police. I was luckily out of the way, not swept up. But they certainly swept up people who had no intention of being arrested, and yeah. they were targeting people who they pinpointed as leaders. Yeah, I, I saw an article that said something that the police corralled a bunch of female protesters and just maced them, just basically oh. tightened them up into one spot and then maced everybody. And it's really, uh, it's really unfortunate. And it's a, it's interesting what you said, Emily, about people kind of banding together and taking care of each other because that was going to be the next thing I asked about was like, I heard a lot about kind of mutual aid and like some medics going there and people buying food for the protesters, even if they weren't protesting themselves. So very interesting stuff going on. Did you have more, Emily, or was that it all tonight? Um, I'll, I'll wrap up for now, but okay. for, for talking, yeah. Emily, thanks so much for calling the show. We do hope you keep in touch. I really appreciate the call tonight. This is Free Talk Live. We're coming up on hour three, and we were, when we return, we got more coming up. Talking to your family about liberty. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. You are listening to Free Talk Live. Always find us on the web at freetalklive.com. And check out promote.freetalklive.com. If you enjoy the show, you are able to share it with your friends and let them know about how much you enjoy listening to our voices every single night, Sunday through Monday through Sunday. I always get that confused. Seven days a week, every night from 7 to 10 p.m. And I am, of course, your host, Stephanie. And Dale. And Neil. Indeed. And we've been having such a fun time tonight on the show. We're just starting out hour three, and we've been covering some really interesting topics so far tonight. Of course, if you have thoughts on anything we've discussed, ranging from the protests at Wall Street to the TSA searching a woman's afro to uh, some of the stories that we teased, um, including uh, the the male police officers videotaping the female strip searches of inmates, okay. you can call us at 855-450-FREE. That is also 855-450-3733 to get in touch with us tonight and discuss any of these stories with us. And uh, I do need to also let you know about Vapor Smiths. Uh, are you a cigarette smoker? Well, <laughs> see, this copy is written for Mark, and he used to smoke cigars. I have never smoked in my life, but... Uh, I used to. <laughs> Dale is actually sitting here, our co-host Dale. I've been sm- puffing away on a Vapor Smith all night <laughs> during the show. So I think that is probably the best advertising we could possibly give them tonight. So Dale, what do you, what do you like about the, your Vapor Smith's sig? <laughs> well, I'm the funny guy because I don't smoke and never have, really. <laughs> I mean, other than like trying a cigarette in high school just to see what all the fuss was about and going, Pah, I don't 
care for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I could barely walk after half a cigarette back in high school for me. Yikes. Yeah. I think I went through two at once just to try, you know, and then I didn't like it. And never but, did. but now I'm you're such a nicotine And I started doing Vaporsmith <laughs> because I, I, I never would start smoking. There's so many downsides to smoking. I'm like, I would never put myself through that or the people around me. I'm like, Forget it. But the vapor smiths uh, don't have all those chemicals that are found in actual cigarettes or I, cigars. Everything I don't like about cigarettes is not there for vapor smiths. I like the uh, the, the smell, um, the, the, the the chemicals, uh, the tobacco. I don't care for the smell of it. The, the way it gets in your clothes, the way it irritates my eyes and irritates everything else. Uh, it burns the cilia off of your lungs because the smoke is so hot. Mm. Uh, it has there's so many things about tobacco. It just bothers a lot of people, and and it's so disruptive to your lifestyle because you, you have to get that fixed. You have to get up and leave the situation. You have to leave. You have to go outside, and in New Hampshire, it gets freezing cold. It exactly, and, and, you know, in the middle of the winter and things like that. So that's incredibly disruptive to. But Dale, you know, you've been sitting here all evening puffing on this thing, and I actually I commented didn't ask you, to you. I asked you when you came in. I said, "Is this going to bother you?" You're like, no, no, not at all. So. Actually, the room smelled delicious when I walked in. It smelled Vanilla lovely. Vanilla flavor is what I'm on right now. So. <laughs> it's delicious, and I actually commented to Dale during one of the breaks. Dale, you look so cool. I don't know what it is about you. Oh, and then and then I realized, oh, he's puffing on this e cig. It looks yeah. Good. So well, and I don't do the tobacco flavors. There's tobacco flavors, but uh, there's like cherry, vanilla, and menthol, which are not don't have any sort of tobacco flavor at all to them. And those are the ones that I like. So mm. I'd love the tobacco flavors because uh, really, I, I think the best smell in the universe is probably pipe tobacco. Well, yeah. there, Neil I think, is I, a I smellophile. He really likes a certain smells. Yeah, check, so, yeah. find out because I know like they the have three different. smell of a new book, right? <laughs> they yeah. have three different tobacco flavors, and I don't remember exactly. I think there's like a, a sort of a standard cigarette tobacco flavor. There's like a Turkish tobacco, and then there's one other, I think. Uh, but I don't mm. know. I'm not the one because I, I, I didn't wait. care about the tobacco flavored. Well, ones anyway, I need to let you know that you can go to vaporsmiths.com and they have a special deal where if you order over sixty dollars worth of products, you can get a free starter kit uh, with the purchase of forty cartomizers, which are the little cartridges that you uh, uh, put the little flavoring and nicotine in. So head over to vaporsmiths.com or call eight five five two get vapor. And, of course, you can use coupon code FTL uh, to get that offer with the free shipping and a free starter kit. So, uh, gentlemen, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I do believe we have a call on the line. And this is Nick in Illinois. I'm going to bring him on. Nick, are you with us? Yes. Hi. Hi. And uh, I heard that you wanted to talk about sort of discussing liberty with your family. Is that right? Yes. This is a follow-up to my call from last night regarding the consent of the government. Which you can hear on archives.freetalklive.com, all the old shows. Go on, Nick. To quickly recap, I called because I was having trouble striking the root with my father by convincing him that people can't justly be subject to government diktats like prohibitions or taxation without consenting to them. The counter-argument I was given to that is that people tacitly consent to an area's rules by choosing to move to or remain in that area. What I came away with from the show last night, though, did not convince me. The reason I was unsatisfied is because what Mark and others who called in ultimately relied upon was the idea that the government does not legitimately own the land because it acquired it through violence. Mm -hmm. Mark attacked the specific history of the United States and countries like it rather than arguing from the first principles that government itself rests upon, which bothered me because it felt like a weak position. People could easily just uh, say, you know, bygones be bygones. We live in the world as it is now. Forget about the ancient past. And secondly, it still does nothing to to the legitimacy of those governments that were founded on unsettled land or of hypothetical tyrannies in the future. Mm -hmm. Uh, To be honest, I came back to the precipice between being a libertarian versus my former identity as a liberal. I seriously started questioning my beliefs. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that kept me from reconverting was that it just didn't feel right to say that a person could somehow tacitly consent in a way that overrides actual consent. How can a person consent to being coerced? 
It would make the civil rights movement, the women's suffrage movement, and even the American Revolution itself a logical contradiction. Because according to the theory of tacit consent, civil disobedience or rebellion of any form would have to be unjust because the rebel had already consented to being ruled. How can one justly be said to rebel against their own consent? So I did research of my own on the concept of tacit consent, and that led me to articles and resources on consent theory, contract theory, social contract theory, and the writings of John Locke. And that's where I found my answer. Mm, Okay, so what was the answer? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. John Locke is considered one of the philosophical forefathers of the American Revolution by stating the idea that government rules not by divine right, but by the consent of the governed. The obvious objection to that, which existed even in Locke's time, was that obviously not everyone consents to being ruled by their government. And not everyone you know, votes for the same person. So Locke, right. countered that, uh, Locke countered that with the idea that people tacitly consent to the laws of a government by receiving the benefits of ex- existence, which accrue to a person merely by being on its land. The critical hole in this is that its logic is circular. You consent to the government because you're here, and the government has a right to claim this consent from you because, because you already consented. Oh. It doesn't make any sense. It's question-begging of the first order. If the right of a government to govern you rests on your consent to be governed by it, then so-called tacit consent is logically impossible because the consent has to come first. The All right, whole... Nick, now I'm going to stop you for a second. Dale and Neil, okay. do you have any thoughts about this? What do you think of what's been said so far? It's a, You mean the circular logic is, is what it's coming down to. Mm-hmm. Is that, yeah, well... You're you're here, and therefore you consent, and it, the fact that you're here counts because you consent. <laughs> right. <laughs> or, or something like that. Yeah, you know what, I, when I used to watch this, there's this cartoon called Plastic Man, it's, and he had the, you know, he's rubbery, and he could change his shape and stretch and do all that stuff. And I just remember one time, he, uh, uh, you know, he, he tackled the bad guys by shaping himself into a bowling ball, and then he reached around with his stretched arm and picked himself up off the floor. and that's what's going on here i think that's a pretty good analogy if 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 consent is so important in this equation and and like you said your uh, father's arguments were that uh one um by by staying on the land that one was born uh you thereby consent if consent was so important you'd think that uh those that didn't consent that didn't give their uh consent that expressed dissent would should at least be offered like a free trip out of the country, you know, and not have. I think now the current rate is like fifty percent of your assets taken as you um, expatriate. Oh yeah, and in some cases, people are required to still pay U.S. taxes after they expatriate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, uh, the thing there is that the critical error that I made last night was in assuming that we can think of government as a company or corporation owning all the land. I was thinking too much like a libertarian and not meeting statism at its own game. Government doesn't rest on those principles or claim to to rest on those principles because government claims to own the land because it has the consent of the governed to own it. So it's it's there's no foundation there even for somebody to tell you to love it or leave it. They can't tell you to leave it because if you they need your consent in order for the government to have the authority to tell you that. Yeah, I I don't know. I've always thought of love it or leave it as kind of an emotional appeal or like a a truism that's really not backed by much logic or evidence or even reasoning. And uh, Nick, I kind of wonder, this is a conversation with your father, right? Mm -hmm. I kind of wonder how uh, it would go if you just kind of try to get him to relate to you or empathize with you a little bit about... Oh, yeah, I did. Okay, gotcha. Okay. I mean, that's where we started. It it wasn't a it wasn't a confrontational debate. Mm-hmm. It it was uh, you know we're we're best of friends. Oh, that's so, great. So okay, well and, that you know, is, that answers him, my question, Nick. And we're actually coming up on the next segment. So uh, thanks for the call tonight. I do appreciate okay. that. 
And we've got some more calls on the line when we return. This is Free Talk Live. More coming up with Kevin. He wants to talk about smoking. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. We'll be back. Liberty Maniacs is the largest online Liberty brand. Featured the most comprehensive selection of original posters, stickers, apparel, embroidered hats, and over 100 different products from around the world. From hilarious satire to hard-hitting artistic commentary, Liberty Maniacs is devoted to outfitting the Liberty movement with intelligent, eye-catching, and fashionable gear that expresses your personal dedication to Liberty. Best of all, Liberty Maniacs offers a no-hassle, money-back guarantee on all products. LibertyManiacs.com. Wear something worth saying. Welcome back to the show. This is Free Talk Live, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in tonight. So glad to have you listening to us. My name is Stephanie. And Dale. And Neil. Yes, indeed. And we are having so much fun tonight. We got calls on the line, but uh, I would like to let you know about amp.freetalklive.com. Just a little easy way to help out the show for the cost of about... Uh, a cup of coffee just once a month. Very easy way to help us spread the message of freedom far and wide and help the show take care of business and grow and expand all that good stuff. Amp.freetalklive.com. And you get perks, by the way. Did I mention that? <laughs> so we did have some calls on the line. Uh, let everybody know about those last segment. And I would like to jump right into a call from, is it Kelvin or Kevin? on the line in Colorado, wanting to talk about smoking. Hello, Stephanie. Uh, it's Kelvin, like Lord Kelvin. Okay, great. Hi, Kelvin. So what, what was on your mind about smoking? Uh, uh, if I might just uh, take a, a quick little detour here. Uh, sure. About the AMP program, uh, it's outstanding. I find it one of the, the best possible things on your show because uh, it basically takes the three-hour program and condenses it into one hour or two hours by moving <laughs> all those commercials. I hope your sponsors don't get upset about me <laughs> pushing this, but it's just made a big difference. And plus, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here in Colorado, but I really support the liberty movement. I want as many people as possible to, to learn about it. So, Oh, anyway. thank well, you so much, Kelvin. That's great. So for, yeah. for what it's worth, okay. to any sponsors that are listening, I and mean, we, we, we just talked about, for instance, Vaporsmiths mm-hmm. on the air. That's The Ampers are still going to hear that. Yeah, uh, there's a definitely. lot of stuff that um, you know when we do live reads and things like that. There's ways for them to get on the air in such a way that the ampers hear it too. But you're right; it's a, there's a great perk of the amp program is that you get a, a condensed version of the show where the with the, uh, the most of the commercials removed. So absolutely, yeah. And thank you for yeah. that, Kelvin. That's great. So, uh, yeah. what else was on your mind tonight? Uh, uh, and the amount of commercials is like uh, you know 10 percent of what you normally sit through. So, anyway. <laughs> uh, right. so I wanted to. Uh, Yes, uh, you, Stephanie. I know you're a biomedical student. Uh, I'm wondering what you're planning uh, to be as a, your specialty. Uh, oh, you well, yeah, that's a great question. Up. So <laughs> I never plan on growing up, but I, uh, you know what I, mean. <laughs> I hope at some point I'll finish school. I'm actually in a, a program right now where I'm uh, studying to get an MD and a PhD, neither of which I have yet, but I hope to have them soon. And I came in because I wanted to design um, new cures for diseases and 
try to help people by using both science and medicine. Um, I've been a little bit frustrated with the amount of government involvement in both of those fields so far, to tell the truth. And uh, I do really enjoy this type of uh, communications, hosting radio shows, that kind of thing. So, you know, maybe I'll do something that involves scientific or medical communications, and maybe I'll go clinical route and uh, help people, uh, you know, treat people's diseases and stuff like that. Um, But I was thinking, um, you know, I'm interested in either just general internal medicine or maybe perhaps... uh, psychiatry, some kind of mental health field? Uh, from whence uh, pork therapy came from then. <laughs> <laughs> yep, psychology has uh, always been an interest of mine. And uh, yep, Kel- Kelvin mentioned just for our listeners who aren't familiar, my, I do have my own radio show. It's on the Liberty Radio Network at lrn.fm every Friday night from 10 p.m. to midnight. And it, you can find more about that at porctherapy.com. That's pork therapy like a porcupine and i'm not a therapist or anything i just uh it it, it started off as kind of a tongue-in-cheek name but uh it's a show about um life and personal freedom and uh liberty and relationships with others so thanks for the plug kelvin's just plugging everything tonight <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I gotta uh have a good relationship with you guys that's anyway, right so to get to what i've uh, <laughs> been avoiding a little bit uh and hopefully this won't cause any conflict with your sponsors either uh I keep hearing the advertisement for the uh, the uh, e-cigarette, mm-hmm. and it, some time ago I used I would hear it worded as it's twenty thousand times healthier, and then now <laughs> I heard it changed to twenty by some accounts twenty five <laughs> healthier. Yes, and I was wondering as a as a medical person and a uh, someone who studied some actual science. Uh, is the relationship between the amount of chemicals, uh, like with the and the carcinogen effect, is that linear or does mm. it say that's say, a great question? Actually, is is uh, say there's uh, ten parts per million of whatever it is carcinogen mm-hmm. is a hundred parts per million ten times more cancer risk, or does it take yeah. a thousand times, or is it a Natural uh, base of the natural logarithm uh, to some power <laughs> that's, relationship. That's a great or, question, Kelvin. And uh, I, I guess maybe we should bring our listeners up to speed a little bit. I, from what I understand, so I don't write the copy for these ads. Mark writes it. But from what I understand, I have actually called him out on this statistic before and asked him to explain what it means. Apparently, Mark did an interview with the owner of Vaporsmiths, and now they're getting some more free advertising. So I'd, I'm sure they won't mind you bringing this up, actually. But <laughs> <laughs> um, So Mark did an interview with the owner of Vapor Smiths. And what he said he derived the 22,000 times healthier number from was from measurements of the number of the amount of carcinogens in cigarettes versus the e-cigarettes. Now, the thing about e-cigarettes is we don't know. That's the answer. We really don't know if they are, in fact, Uh, healthier or less cancer risk than cigarettes because it hasn't been adequately studied. However, we can infer, and it seems pretty... uh, pretty reasonable to make the inference that since they don't have the carcinogens in them that cigarettes have uh, that are made of tobacco and have all these chemicals and stuff, uh, and since you are not uh, combusting anything, you're just inhaling a vapor instead of um, things that are burned, and things that are burned tend to uh, cause more cancer risk in general when you consume them, we can make the inference that e-cigarettes are a lot uh, less likely to cause cancer or COPD or a lot of the bad effects that uh, cigarettes have. 
And, you know, there have been some public health doctors who have come out and said, yeah, I think that uh, e-cigarettes are great. I think people should switch to them and not. And if it gets helps them get off cigarettes, that's great. However, the government and the FDA have kind of come down against e-cigarettes and have written a number of articles that say they may be dangerous and they're trying to ban them and they're trying to tax them and they don't really know what to do about them. So, hmm. uh, But to answer your original question of like, is it a linear relationship between the amount of carcinogens that somebody smokes and their risk for lung cancer? Uh, I have to admit, I don't know the answer off the top of my head, but what I think I recall is that uh, you can calculate a person's pack years, and that is the years that the number of years that they've smoked cigarettes for, times the amount of packs of cigarettes that they've smoked per day. And so it matters whether someone smoked, you know, three packs a day for ten years or um, one pack a day for fifty years or you know whatever. And you can get an estimation of their lung cancer risk from that, and that's been pretty well studied in terms of pack years. So I think it, it probably is a somewhat linear relationship, as in the more you smoke, the more likely you are to get uh, lung cancer. And that's just for lung, just for certain types of lung cancer. Okay. So that, that would be a, a positive correlation anyway, but that wouldn't yes. necessarily uh, prove a, a linear relationship or... No, not necessarily. You'd, you'd hope it was, yeah, you'd hope it's like exponential, and then therefore if it's one twenty-two thousandth then that's a, a huge reduction. Yeah. Uh, Kelvin I loves think, the math. <laughs> Kelvin, yeah. do you have more anyway, for us, think, or, or is that it? I, I think I, I might have had that that, uh, that relationship backwards between linear and exponential. But anyhow, you could look into it more if you want. Kelvin, thanks for the call. This is Free Talk Live. We will be right back. Hello, and welcome back to the show. You are listening to Free Talk Live. I am your host, Stephanie. And Dale. And Neil. Yep, and we've been having a wonderful show so far, talking about all kinds of things. And I do want to get into an article that we had teased in the last few segments. And, you know, this is a really shocking and horrible article to me. Um, I, you know, I'm a liberty activist, I'm a woman, and I hope that I never uh, am subjected to something of this nature due to getting arrested for um, following my conscience or anything like that. You know, I'm I'm one of those people who doesn't go, uh, I, I, I don't try to get arrested, you know, I don't, uh, I, don't, I, don't I don't want that, you know. Yeah, I got stuff to do, I, I don't want to yeah. get arrested. I, I have been arrested, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't a planned thing, I wasn't doing civil disobedience, mm-hmm. they were just being... A-holes. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, as we got this call from Emily Good earlier in the show, and she, you know, she was on her own property doing something that people do every single day, not harming another person. Uh, and actually, she was arrested for that. You know, she was just videotaping a routine police stop. There, there was an incident as well in New Hampshire of uh, someone who had the uh, ASPCA called out. Mm-hmm. On their animals, and uh, they had police on their property, and the the son of the uh, individual was out there filming, and he was told to uh, he he was threatened with arrest. Wow, on his own just, property, just yeah. to be mm-hmm. behind the fence on his own property. Yeah, yeah. And the thing about this, and 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 I'm glad you brought this up because there's, I think that it's important to address this. If you're paying attention to all kinds of activism that's happening in New Hampshire, you'll see this false dichotomy of political people, people doing political activism, and then 
what they and then civil disobedience, yep. which is a, a, a mistake. There's all kinds of activism uh, all around the borders of that, and all and in between. There's um, people like like what we're doing now, which is reaching out to people and talking about liberty and educating people. There's media and that sort of thing, and and, and drawing more people to New Hampshire to do whatever they intend to do. Yeah. There's um you know and writing articles and you know drawing cartoons and and all <laughs> these things. And then there's there's ways you can support other people whose activism you like. You don't have to be on the front lines. You know, there's stuff like that. And it's important to note that because you don't want to scare people away with all this pressure mm-hmm. that you're not a real activist unless you're doing one of these two things in the false right. dichotomy of uh, you're either doing civil disobedience or you're doing politics. And it's such a ridiculous false dichotomy because I don't believe in doing I'm not a big fan of politics. I'm not also a, a huge fan of civil disobedience either. Yeah. Um, I think I have seen effective civil disobedience and I've seen a whole lot that I don't feel is effective mm-hmm. and, and maybe it was a, a very high cost for what it potentially might have accomplished um, or, or something like that. And sometimes I see that and I go, you know, I believe in what they're doing. I think this is good and everything, but I don't feel like, you know, for the, the price they're going to pay for time, they're going to spend in jail, maybe stuff on their record that's going to hurt them and have employment in the future or who knows what. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it was necessarily worth the price that they paid. Yep. And so it, I don't want to be labeled as I'm a CD or because I don't do politics because that's a false dichotomy. And, yeah. and, and it's very important that people don't get discouraged from moving here because they feel like that's what's expected of them. Oh, but you're Joe. not a real activist if you don't get arrested, and that's ridiculous. There are so many opportunities mm-hmm. here for education and outreach and uh, influencing uh, juries by giving them uh, jury nullification information that uh, t- informs them that they have this right, and they've always had this right to judge the law based on the uh, the merits of it and say no if they don't believe the person should be mm-hmm. uh, convicted. And that, that happens uh Every I think every month in Keene, whenever they have jury selection, and all over this, all over all New Hampshire, over the actually, state, yeah, and not and you know not only that, like like you said, Dale, Dale, I want to thank you so much for saying that because I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, really, I completely agree that there's this kind of false paradigm mm-hmm. that it's either well, you're going to be a politico and you're going to be really obsequious and follow all these um, social norms and and mores, play, and play that political game, wear and, a suit, yeah, yep, play the <laughs> play the politics, or you're going to be out in Central Square, smoking pot with your shirt off and dancing and getting arrested <laughs> and painting at the same time, painting breasts right. uh, in artistic ways in front of the old ladies. Yeah, whatever. And I, I agree with you. Actually, a personal story: when I first came to New Hampshire, I considered myself, you know, very liberty oriented philosophically, and that's why I moved here. In fact, in 2006, back five years ago. But uh, at the beginning of my time here, I thought that basically. Politics was the only safe thing I could do, so-called safe, right? Because I I wasn't interested in getting arrested. I was a little bit scared by that prospect and stuff. And I thought that politics was the only thing I could reasonably get involved with uh, that could possibly make a difference. But as I got involved with it, I became really disillusioned with the whole system and really fed up and discouraged and realized that I don't think it is possible to make meaningful change in this in this political system just because of the way that it's set up. And so I kind of stopped that. But I had a little hiatus where I wasn't really doing much because I didn't know what I could do. I thought that it was only these two options of either politics or civil disobedience. But then when I thought about it, I I started thinking that, hey, it's really important to spread the ideas of liberty and to, to help people understand and come to these conclusions and be presented with the ideas of liberty that maybe they've never heard before. And that's really the only way that um, we're going to have meaningful, widespread uh, social change, I think. 
Uh, and you could argue that. So that's why I'm here on Free Talk Live and I do other radio shows and podcasts and like yours, Prometheus Unchained and, um, and write pork articles therapy. and pork therapy yeah, and, and write articles and do, you know, a talk to people. And actually, I just gave a talk today at the Agora IO1 conference, which I think is um, ended now, but all of the video talks are archived on agora.io. And um, this is the second it, conference, right? Yeah, it's the second conference. Actually, they they call it an unconference because you don't have to be meeting in a physical space. It's all takes place online and it's streamed through Justin.tv. And so you can see all the videos of people's talks and they just basically log into a TV channel and broadcast their talk. And so I gave a talk today about mutual aid and I uh, put forth uh, the case or the argument that I think that it's so easy uh, first of all, I take a broad definition of mutual aid, like basically anything that people, uh, then anything that involves people getting together and forming solutions to social problems qualifies as mutual aid. So anything from like a credit union to like the Lions Club to a neighborhood watch to people getting together and forming like a child care co-op to parents like carpooling, bring their kids places to an organization like Free Aid, which is a volunteer first aid organization that I volunteer with. So all of these things count as mutual aid. And these are things that, that people can get involved with anywhere from no matter where they are, whether they're in New Hampshire or, or elsewhere, whether they know other liberty activists or not, and whether they have, like, if they don't have time, they can give money. If they don't have money, they can give time. That's another thing I was going to bring up, that mm-hmm. there are great funds that, you know, you can contribute to. You don't even yeah. have to be in New Hampshire for that. Yeah. You know, the, but it, we certainly want people to come to New Hampshire. That's the point of the Free State Project to do activism and focus our efforts here but there are things like that you can contribute money if you if you make a lot of money if you make if you if you're busy working and making a lot of money you can contribute to things like that exactly mm-hmm. yeah you don't you don't have to do you know use your time in the way that you feel is most efficient so if you think your time is best spent by earning money and then supporting liberty oriented causes and that's how you want to advance the cause of liberty that's totally cool it's completely yeah, legitimate it, to do that and you know, I, the reason I wanted to say something about mutual aid is to just also reinforce what you were saying, Dale, about the false dichotomy between politics and civil disobedience. I think that volunteer work and charity and getting involved and helping out your neighbors uh, That's does something I've so been much. And in, in keen. Yes, uh, you a have. Lot. You've volunteered at the shelter. You've done a lot of uh, a lot of outreach and uh, a lot of media work. And I mean, it's. I think it's great. And it I'd really, like to. I'd really love to see um, Liberty activists spearheading some some things like that like uh, i know they're you know like uh something i suggested for instance is there's a there's a, a great shelter that's pri- there's a private shelter in Keene that takes care of overflow of homeless I- issues in Keene and mm-hmm. things like that when the when the shelters when the state shelters the city funded shelters and things are full and they're very bureaucratic and there's all kinds of problems with them mm-hmm. uh, this much less bureaucratic private organization kind of t- handles their overflow very well just to make sure people aren't sleeping in the streets on the cold winter nights and things like that and yeah. it's called 100 night shelter because it's like the the coldest period you know during the oh, winter of, of that's New where Hampshire. the name comes from exactly cool. and uh, that's that's roughly how long they're open it's not i don't think it's exactly but um but they do like a a food a feeding event on uh one night of the week when the when the regular kitchen doesn't feed people gotcha and i think we could sponsor one every month or something that would be wonderful i'd love to see more stuff like that if you have thoughts on charity mutual aid call us 855-450-FREE still time for your calls if you make them we're also going to get into this article this is free talk live
I've started playing a new online game. It's called Mine Things. It's a free online mining game. It's all in your browser. There's nothing to download. Your little mining robot guy can mine for you 24-7. You don't even need to be logged in. You compete with other players for resources and a capitalist economy. The virtually mined gold demonstrates the concept of sound money and is exchanged between players tax-free. They even accept bitcoins. Go to MineThings.com, use coupon code FTL, and double your mining speed. It's free. MineThings.com. Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. My name is Stephanie. And Dale. And Neil. And we are starting off the final segment of the show tonight. Hurry and call in while there's still time. Exactly. There is still time for you to make your calls if you call 855-450-3733. That's 855-450-FREE. And of course, you can always go to shop.freetalklive.com. Just one of the great little subdomains as part of the freetalklive.com website where you can get all kinds of stuff for free. But uh, if you'd like to help out the show, you can go to uh, shop.freetalklive.com and enter Amazon through Free Talk Live's portal. And Free Talk Live will get a little uh, percentage of your sale. It doesn't change the purchase price. Everything's the same. Just enter through their portal to get them the referral fee. So, Anyway, gentlemen, uh, we don't have any calls on the line right now, but I did. That's okay because I did want to get into this article, and I think that the last segment of the show is an appropriate time to do it. Um, This is really shocking, and I've been kind of teasing it all night, but uh, it's about a jail that basically was allowing male uh, cops to video record female inmates being strip searched. Now. I, yeah. I keep hearing stories like this, and, and it just, you know, that if for everyone you hear about, there's other, how many are happening that we're not finding out about? Because obviously they didn't, they didn't intend for this to get out, mm-hmm. you know? So exactly. I always wonder, you know, you keep hearing, oh, it's just a few bad apples that, that make the rest look bad. And, uh, you know, what was it? I think it was, I heard Adam Kokesh say this, but I don't know if someone else said it as well before him, but. You know, it's, you know, it's a few bad apples making the other five percent look bad. That's the, <laughs> the way I, it seems. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it just seems like when you have an organization that claims a mechan- uh, I'm sorry, a uh, monopoly on the ability to provide certain services, protection services, and, and I guess incarceration services, putting certain people in jail. When you have an organization that claims to be a, a monopoly and the, the only ones that can legitimately provide those services and they're able to force everybody to pay for them, whether they want to or not, or whether they agree with all their practices or not, and they really don't have much accountability, uh, it seems like this is a natural consequence of that setup. I right. wish I could choose to take my money elsewhere, you know. Yeah. But that's not a possibility. Yeah, it just the way it's set up opens the door for well, a lot of abuse. That you is know? it's the lack of accountability. That's what a monopoly creates is a lack of accountability and I don't know why anyone this should not be surprising if you take away that accountability. It should not be surprising that this sort of thing happens. It should be expected. Yeah. And I mean, how many private organizations could get away with something like this, right? Uh, get, you know, taking someone to a place where they don't want to be against their will. And, you know, maybe they've hurt someone else and maybe they haven't. And in a lot of cases, I think they haven't 
right? right. They maybe just need help and not and, to be put and in it a doesn't cage. Mean it, it's important to note it doesn't mean it won't happen in a private organization. There's certainly potential for corruption in a private organization. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's just that you're you're really amplifying and making it likely when you take away all accountability. I mean, certainly a private organization should never be un- unaccountable, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. and you know, and generally would not be completely unaccountable. But you, if you create that level of unaccountability that a monopoly has that a government organization has, then this is incredibly likely. It should be expected. Exactly. Now, <laughs> I've teased this article so many times and we haven't started reading it yet, but I do want to make sure we get Roger's call on the show as this is the last segment tonight. And Roger, what was on your mind tonight? You're on the air with Free Talk Live. Um, hey, this is uh, yeah Roger from Goshen. Um, I just got out of work and I was listening to you guys' discussion about um, like civil civil <laughs> civil disobedience uh, or activism yeah the activism exactly mm-hmm. and uh i just think that it's like more people should step up because even like if you risk future employment like you're getting the message out there you know yeah well, it's, it's fine and, i think it's fine if people want to step up i just don't want to put undue pressure on anyone because i want people to come here and do activism i don't necessarily i don't want them to be discouraged thinking that the only way to do that is this really ridiculous two extreme choices yeah. And, you know, I would add something to that, Dale. Um, there are certain types of civil disobedience where people have gotten arrested, but it's a really uh, effective and convincing and persuasive way to make a point. For instance, there was the outlaw manicurist here in New Hampshire about oh four or five years ago mm-hmm. who did someone else's nails for a dollar to show how the licensing system for um beauticians and and, uh, manicurists hurts people who are just trying to get into the business and it's a barrier to entry. And also there was in Orlando, um, there was this uh, food, not bombs teaming up with Orlando cop watch and they did some activism where they gave sandwiches to homeless people in violation of a city ordinance. And I think those are both excellent cases where that was really good civil disobedience. It was very well thought out. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I use a term a lot, knee jerk civil disobedience, which worries me where someone hasn't thought out about the price, about the benefits that they're going to get out of it and 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 how much media they're going to get you know again a lot like you said sometimes it makes a great point if you get a lot of a media attention Mm -hmm. if you get good pr regarding it if you touch on an issue that really makes that people can feel passionate about and that will that will change hearts and minds and uh these things are i don't know that these things are considered very well by everyone who's doing civil disobedience you also have to think about the time cost of it Uh, i was arrested for a uh, chalking incident at the manchester police department and uh criminal no, you didn't expect yeah, that to be an mischief. act of civil disobedience, no. right? You didn't expect to get arrested. You were like no. me. It was just yeah. people being a-holes. But, so. uh, but all the time that I've been having to spend to uh, prepare for this and file motions for discovery and have to rearrange my schedule, it, it's I could be doing a lot of other productive things. Roger, we're, <laughs> okay, we had a little echo on the line, but it seems to be better now. Roger, do you have any thoughts about what you've just heard? Yeah. Sorry, I, did, I didn't realize I was online. Um yeah, I, like, well, a couple of years back, like, when Obama got elected, we were around to a local mall. We were just hanging out pictures of him, because, um, I, I mean, obviously, I, I wanted to vote Republican, because usually I do, but John McCain wasn't really our pick, but mm-hmm. um, they, they, a couple security guards um, escorted us out of the mall just for hanging out pictures of Obama. Didn't say anything, hmm. just pictures, and it was kind of odd how even, like, a really minor display of, like, I don't know, I guess 
any any display of like negativity. Well, to be <laughs> or, fair, like, to be fair, a mall is uh, supposed to be private property. I mean, it's open right. open to the public, but they do. Well, and then they kicked us off, and and mm-hmm. we were like, well, can we hang them across the street or something? And they're like, no, <laughs> like you have to go now. Well, the, across the we across like, the street right. isn't their isn't their jurisdiction anymore. Exactly, exactly. That's what we said. We we stood right across. We're like, this isn't your property, and they're like, we'll just get out of here before like anything bad happens. It's like mall cops are like, right, okay. <laughs> they just intimidated you into obeying if you maybe had stood your ground in a case like that. Like, oh, sorry, we're not on your property anymore. You can't make us yeah. leave. Then, you know, they just they just but successfully if it was, if it was intimidated a of bush, you. Like, guarantee they would have laughed. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh yeah, keep it up there. Like, yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, it's it's interesting, and you know, there are so many considerations when you're doing kind of uh, acts of civil disobedience or things that might be kind of borderline civil disobedience. In this case, I don't think you are expecting to get arrested or staging a, a an event to be kind of like a street theater or anything, but you did encounter some of this opposition. So, um, Roger, thank you so much for the call. Um, it's an interesting point, and I do want to make sure that we get uh, Richard's call in in the last moments of the show. Richard in Austin uh, wants to talk about Troy Davis. Uh, Richard, are you here? Yeah, I'm here. I'm sorry. I thought I was still on the Rob Redding line, but yeah, I guess I can still go through with the question if you don't mind. Absolutely. You got a couple minutes, so make it brief, please. Okay, okay yeah. I was just wondering, I hear all of the angst and outrage about the execution. I hear the judge. You know, I, I'll just get cut to the quick. Why didn't the people who stood guard all those years and got to know Troy Davis pretty good, got to know the case on a personal level, why didn't they decide to go on a boycott or a strike? Because I'm thinking a man's life isn't worth a job, and if everybody agreed that it was going to be... I, I wouldn't yeah. be able to sleep at night. Uh, I would not be able to sleep at night, um, sacrificing my principles to that extent just to keep a job myself. But, you know, it's hard. Yes. The excuse of all uh, of just following orders only goes so far, and uh, as we've seen, it, it shouldn't hold up in court. At least it didn't in the Nuremberg trials. Absolutely, and but, Richard, thank you so much for the call. You do appreciate it. These people have blood on their hands. Yeah, and and for just for our listeners who aren't familiar, can you guys give a quick recap of who is Troy Davis and what's the big deal about his? Uh, case uh, he was accused back in the eighties uh, of uh, having shot a police officer, and there was, uh, as far as I know, no physical evidence tying him to the crime. Mm-hmm. And there were it about like there was seven, incredible doubt surrounding this case, and new right. new things revealed. Witnesses after his recounted trial. Mm-hmm. a lot of witnesses recounted, and uh, he had been on death row for um, I forget the figure, at least twelve to twenty years. Yeah, this, and this, that's just torture. Yeah, that is yeah, cruel and unusual punishment. He had uh, been almost to the uh, on the way to the execution chamber like three times now. That, that's what happens with yeah. a lot of them is that they get delayed, and then you're like, Ugh. and people are just looking for a scapegoat. It seems they're so bloodthirsty sometimes. Th- that's what it feels like to me, Stephanie. Someone had to pay a price. It exactly. didn't matter. It was just didn't matter that whether he was really innocent or guilty. Now we have finality. You know. Thank you so much for listening tonight. This has been Free Talk Live with Stephanie Dale and Neil. FreeTalkLive.com. In the meantime, have a great night.